Uh, hello, it's uh, Do Specs to Talk, and as you can tell, I'm not Becca, so that means it's commentary time. Uh, how is everyone? How, how's everyone, Dave and Becca? How are, how are, how are we all? Good evening, folks. Uh, this feels a bit surreal, because we haven't done uh, commentary on the particular series we're covering tonight since uh, Shashawn died in 2020, so it's been yeah, a long time. It's been a long time. Yeah, we, we promised some books, but they're coming. Chris has got his entire sort of collection of... I think he's yeah, got, really the, nice he's got, got the Folio collection or whatever it is. No, yeah, it's not the Folio one, it's the Penguin one. Yeah, Penguin one, because uh, I, I, well, I already have a few of those mm-hmm. from, like, when... They, I think they initially came out to the Times, was given away yeah. through freebie, so I had those, but... I was looking through like the the ones to buy, and I was like, actually, I, I kind of prefer the the covers. I yeah, they're I, good. I'll the, the ones you get. So I uh, yeah, I got I got them secondhand, but um, I say secondhand, it was not touched, practically new. So yeah, because yeah, I mean, with with Kindle editions, the the edition doesn't matter so much, but you still get like cover art in your mm. sort of menu screen. And all of mine are just the the, the full length picture of Fleming like walking. And I've yeah. always regretted that because they're the least interesting covers any of the Bond like books editions have ever had. So yeah, you've got the nice ones. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I, I don't know. I've all the ones. They're the ones I kind of prefer because they've looked very pulpy, which I, which I kind of like. Look... I think it's fair to say the novels are somewhat pulpy. Yeah. Um. um but yeah. So I'm looking forward to getting into it. Obviously, well, I think we're gonna go, gonna get into it sooner rather than later. So. uh God, that's look forward to. So, how are you, Becca? Because I've just answered for myself. I'm okay. Yeah, I had a bit of a Bondian weekend. Um, met up with some lovely JBR South Coasters. Um, we went to go and see the Living Daylights last night. That was really good fun. So I had a great time doing that. I think but a few of my colleagues fell asleep, obviously, because it's been a very long week and <laughs> very hot. And also, Act 3 of that film is not as good as the first two acts. No, but uh, <laughs> yeah, a certain, a certain person who probably won't listen to this fell asleep in pre-titles. <clears throat> but no, it's, it's fine, no worries. Um, but no, it was really, yeah, really good having this little meet-up. Uh, we went to go see some class- classic Timmy action on the big screen. That was really good fun. Um, tonight, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, to this film. Um, also, they, they were lucky to catch it at the Prince Charles um, in London as well um, for, for the anniversary of this film um, so I saw that recently on the big screen and obviously it was my first Bond at the cinema as well um, but I'm looking forward to doing this commentary tonight um, as it has been a few years How was the Living Daylights on the big screen? Like, how did it like did it look did it look as good as it um, or, was, or was it kind of somewhat dated? Because sometimes like you don't realise I'm so used to watching Bond on the small screen no, that's it. I mean, especially where, you know, if you've got various sort of 4K, you know, remasters and that as well, um, especially in this anniversary series as well, some um, some of the, some of the, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, um, some of like DCPs and everything, some of the scans that they have, um, some of them are fantastic, like the early Conneries, we were just saying like how, how sharp they look and how vivid they look, um, so like the first three Connery films look, look amazing. I'm no um, expert, but I, I don't think the 80s used as good film stock as the 60s. No, probably not as well. I mean, we sort of looked, we sort of um, some of the, the seventies like Roger Moore ones do look really good. Like I was surprised by how um, I was impressed with like for example Octopussy and Fury Eyes Only, um, how good they looked on the big screen. Um, I think Goldeneye was probably. I mean, it, it did look good, but that was probably uh, the Brosnan ones. That's probably the most dated for me, even though that's obviously you know, ninety five. Um, but like yeah, Tomorrow Never Dies. Kind of seeing that on the big screen, I, it looked you know it's amazing. I I didn't really notice 
that much. I mean, obviously the, the politics, world politics is dated obviously as, as it is in the 1990s. Um, but Living Daylights, for example, I think the, the print that they had used, I'm not quite sure, it just didn't, it, it looked kind of a bit washed out, a bit grainy almost. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe slightly better on, on the DVD or, you know, the Blu-ray if you've kind of got like 4K or if you've got the capacity to, to upscale for the home release. Um, so a little bit disappointed with that kind of print. Maybe it was just kind of a standard DCP, but I mean, it still still looked great. Had a good time with it. Um, you know, just enjoyed the film. Um, but yeah, seeing this film um, tonight um, on the big screen, um, it was it was pretty special. But I do I do have like rose tinted spectacles. I'm afraid I do have the nostalgia epic. Um, and I, you know, I said when, when we reviewed the film way back when, um, it is I, even though I do I do love it and I have like immense respect for it. Um, but it is a bit kind of shoot 'em up bond, and I, I'll try not to retread my steps tonight. Um, I'll try not to, you know, to repeat too much. Um, but yeah, seeing it on the big screen, um, I, I thought it looked fine. It, it's it really good. It kind of really sort of sparkled a little bit, being cleaned up. Um, I think perhaps anything dated about it was probably, you know, obviously the, the casual sexism and and the gadgets um, and the politics, <laughs> as these things do. I don't remember <laughs> when casual sexism was replaced with urgent sexism. <laughs> <laughs> Craig took it much more seriously. Intense sexism. Well, um, well, <laughs> j- just to sort of turn the question back on Chris and ask him how he is. I, I, I believe you're breeding. Uh, do you expect us to talk the next generation? Yes, you got some news, Chris. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I am, uh, I am a dad officially. So uh, yeah. Yeah, congratulations. Right, so, thank you very much. So oh, yeah, he had a daughter midweek, and that's all we're going to say because privacy and all that. Yeah, um, but yeah, uh, everything's great, and um, and yeah, so uh, you kind of like it's it's a bit of an odd, it's a bit of an odd thing. I mean, uh, being a dad or being a parent actually, because especially when it's new, your first one, because you never really know how to take it. Because it's a bit, uh, it's like, well, I've not really done this before, and it's all new, is, isn't it? Yeah, is, it's this, not, this, this, you know, it doesn't really come with a guidebook, does it? No, this is something that's going to like you know going to stick with the rest of your life and obviously it's going to change and evolve as you grow older and it's like it's a bit oh, well what do I do now but at the same but at the same time you're just enamoured about like yeah something you, you created so to be yeah. fair I mean it's just it's dressing feeding and burping in the first six months they're just basically <laughs> poo making machines it's when oh, yeah, they start they're, they're, it's when they start moving about you're going to have it a bit more difficult yeah when they start fleecing you for all you got yeah uh, <laughs> uh but yeah, um, but I've got that to look forward to. But in the meantime, we have uh, tonight's film to look forward to watching, um, which I think Becca alluded to. So savvy listeners would probably might have picked up on it. It's um, Pierce Boston's second outing in Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, yeah, what are our memories of? We don't want to do a review again, but what what are our memories of what we thought of it when we reviewed it, ranked it, and everything? I, I, don't, I don't mean remembering exactly where you put it or whatever, but I mean, for, for, if I just quickly go first, my memory of this film is there's not a whole lot wrong with it. I just don't think it's a particularly standout Bond film. There are there are things that I think... Brosnan was a bit unfortunate for me because I think he was trying too hard in Goldeneye. I really do. And I, I always point to the Q scene as an example. He's, it's just He's thinking about every single mannerism. And by this film, he, you know, they've tidied his hair up a bit and, and he, he just looks so much better and more confident in the role. But then, and he's the right age, but at the same time, this had a very rushed production. 
So it was all rushed with different script ideas, and, and it just doesn't massively stand out. And they cast him against Michelle Yeoh, who in some respects is a standout Bond girl, but they have no chemistry. Um, and then, of course, Terry Hatcher's pregnant, so they cut her role down a little bit, and she didn't have great chemistry with Brosnan anyway. And so I just think, you know, it's a bit like the third film is really great for the first half. You know, there's always just something not quite right with his films. It's not a standout, but I think, like, it hangs together all right. I've always been entertained by it. Yeah. I mean, it's... I think it on paper as well, it it it's a really solid idea, and it, and it works really well. Boston's on form, um, and... It it does have a lot of action, which is like kind of what Beck alluded to with the the whole shoot 'em up. That's um, ridiculous. Come the um, where he's just spraying around bullets. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but you know, it even has like the whole like sort of uh, like large blonde haired henchman who's who's really sort of difficult to beat up. Um, you know, you know that trip, and it, and you think, oh, you know, if you feel like if if you, if you read like an early draft of the script, and you'd be like thinking. This is going to be great. This is like this is exactly what you want from a Bond movie. Um, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's quite surprising that the the, the production was rushed. Uh, didn't know what they were shooting from one day to the next, uh, which is kind of amazing when you watch it because because you, you just think, well, it's um, it doesn't seem that that bad. It's just you know, if anything, just a bit underdeveloped or you but know. On the other on the other hand. Um, there's very few times and I'm, I'm damning with faint praise here uh, but he never really felt like Bond to me there was things about him like in GoldenEye he's got the sort of comma of black mm. hair and I always thought Bond was fairly lean so you know, it, 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 visually he sort of approximates him but then he's got quite a thin reedy voice compared to Roger Moore so I always think he comes off as a bit of a wimp but then there's at least two shots in this film where he's Ian Fleming's James Bond, and I'll point to them as we go through. So there's things to like about it, absolutely, definitely. Mm. I always thought uh, Bosson kind of got a bit... He, he, he came in at his time, but then unfortunately his time um, was kind of was kind of a, um, at a time where everything just felt a bit weak source. Yeah. Or, I, I, maybe that's unfair, but the the general production because I don't think there was a clear um, vision of what of like of what to go for. And Michael and, and Barbara had only taken the reins. They hadn't done yeah, many of these. They kind of wanted to. I think not leading them. I, I've heard an opinion that that, that that Bond movies tend to sort of like mimic what's popular at the time, which is which was true like in the seventies. Yeah. You know, with yeah. You know, Live and Let Die, uh, Man with Golden Gun, the, you know, the Kung Fu um, element and that. Well, I'd, I've always thought, for example, I've always thought that when, Star Wars and when, when you break it down, I think it was an era of not fantastic writing. Showrunners that had been on the Bond, not showrunners, but you know what I mean, producers mm-hmm. who'd been on the series for decades, but not been absolutely where the buck stops, and now they are. Um, they've got Cubby's pick for Bond, not their own. Um even though I, I think Brosnan is a perfectly fine choice as Bond. It's just, if you rank them, somebody has to go near the bottom. It's it's not that he's bad. But, you know, I often think a lot of the reason Goldeneye is so beloved is because it felt sort of like a Cold War Bond film, just updated. Mm. It had the feel. Um, and I, I, when you actually look at it, the script doesn't make any sense. 
And, you know, Brosnan's not very good in that one, in my opinion. I know some people disagree on that. But, like, his next two films are great, but there's scripting casting problems there. And this film didn't go into production till April. And since Goldeneye, that's never happened. It's always been December or January for that release schedule. So mm. they were up against it, really up against it. And what they've come up with is sort of solidly entertaining, but it's it's of its time. I do think there's a couple of bits, because I watched a little bit of it earlier, there's a couple of bits earlier where he lapses into the Roger Moore-isms of, of not only the very sort of weak source payoff line, and they're worse than Roger Moore's by a long way, but also like he's, he's on a bike with Wei Lin at the some point, and, and she's got, she says, you know, don't even think about it, or something like that, or, or, or something mm-hmm. like that, and I'm thinking... Who thought that was a good idea to be put in the script? It, it, it's like a sexist earlier version of, of Craig having a relaxed chat with Money Penny during a car chase. It's like when, sp- when do you mean? Is it kind of like when on they're the arguing bike. and he's like on the bike? I need on to the, bike. the bike. And she's like, who's she, driving? She turns position, so she's yeah. kind of straddling him, and he gives her a look, and she's oh, like, oh yeah, you yeah, know, and she's like, don't even look, at, yeah, don't even <laughs> think about it, or something like that. And I'm thinking, firstly, you just cut undercut any tension. And secondly, for the audience, because you're quipping, but secondly, they're supposed to be... Just so she can kind of play off against Bond, basically, because I think, it's, first of all, it's, it's a tough act, obviously, because you you know you had Tim, not only following Tim, but you know, Tim following Roger as well, which is which is a hard act to follow. You know, Sir Roger had a difficult act, kind of live up to Sean, but well, live up to George, um, which is going to be a hard act for, to follow. And obviously, I think Bros, he doesn't kind of really hit his stride Maybe until the next film, um, God is not enough. I kind of think he he just kind of get into it. So this time I'm going to big up and go screw you, Dave. I'm going <laughs> to. <laughs> it's not about not championing the I'm film. Really it's, really no, it's about the fact that for, taking that one particular thing. I was reminded of Roger Moore because I just thought you're just telling us that in the middle of a tense sex uh, sequence he's thinking yeah, he's, of sex. He's, have some he's just thinking of sex. Thing, you know, and I just thought that line. was Roger's problem. It's just like you're supposed to be in some tense sequence and Roger's going, oh, look, tits. But to answer that question, though, like this is kind of... Um, it, because the Dalton movies, uh, the two movies they had, was was kind of deemed... I mean, they, they weren't, but they were deemed as failures. Or like they weren't... A successful um, audiences, audiences didn't, didn't didn't take to it. By that time, um, the Roger Moore type movies, which, which is like more a bit more of the naughty schoolboy kind of thing, yeah. was yeah, deemed to be a lot more popular. So they've gone greatest hits. So they yeah, so they kind of like was like oh well, let's return to like more Roger Moore type ish. So yeah, so what you have so yeah so which is why you have those kind of like those those lines and those like oh don't even that, that, don't even think about it you know that, yeah, that kind of naughty schoolboy that come before i kind of feel like with bros they did sort of you know try his best but i think due to the scripts that he, he was handed it, it they were trying to kind of roll all of that into one um and yeah. trying to kind of turn brosnan into kind of like a, a combination of like sean george you know everyone that's come before um and yeah it did i, I do i mean there are points that i do struggle with this film i mean the politics are very much on the nose um, I'm going to see this on the big screen at the Pitch Charles a while ago. Um, the, the helicopter set piece, I, I took, for some reason it skipped my brain, I'd totally forgotten about it. And I kind of thought, well, it's it, it's very cool, um, but it's a bit unnecessary and it goes on for quite a long time. It's too long, yeah. It's, it is too long. I mean, it's, it's amazing, it's done it's done really well. Um, and, but it's just, yeah, it's a bit kind of, obviously, because you've got the car chase and you've got other amazing kind of stunts, and obviously, you've got the, the film's epic finale aboard the stealth boat. Um, which is quite exciting. Um, 
but it, yeah, it's, it's a bit unnecessary, really. You could probably chop it out or edit it, to, you know, make it a little bit shorter. Um, well, earlier this evening, one, one, you know, one sorry, dance stamp piece too many. Oh, sorry, carry no, on. No, no. What I was going to say was uh, uh, earlier this evening because I've not done one of these commentaries watching like a disc for a long time because I've no, been it's off. Been in, a while. I've <laughs> been off. No, I've been off in some other room watching a rip. But I'm here tonight with the uh, the Blu-ray on. And I thought, sod's law. Some other room, have you got some secret Bond annex? <laughs> Something like that. But uh, <laughs> Well, every room in this house is a Bond room. But um, I, I uh, it would be. But no, I put it on because I thought, sod's law. Because I remember years ago when we did the Die Another Day commentary, I started getting a load of skipping at the end. So I thought, I'm just going to let it play through on silent until they're ready to record. And then I'll just jump back to the start. So I had it on silent, just playing for a while, just to check there weren't any problems. And actually, with the sound off, that scene runs way too long. But I'd never yeah. noticed it with the sound on. And I suppose the film's supposed to be taken on its merits. No, that's it. Well, that's it when you're doing a commentary, isn't it? I mean, because I sort of, we all listen, like, with the sound off, or I have the sound on, like, super, super low, so I can mm. kind of, so I'm here, like, I've got one, one ear in. Um, I haven't got, like, great big cans. I've just literally just got, like, my old-fashioned wired mm. earbuds. Yeah. Um, so I don't get hashtag climate ear. Um, <laughs> with other podcasts. Um... So yeah, I got like, like when you're in, I kind of got the sound on like like super low, but I still have the subs on just so I can follow what's going on. Yeah, me on. too. Um, good old subs. Um, but yeah, so I kind of like it's one of those things. But if you do listen to it without you know without the music or without the dialogue, whatever, for example, you just think, hmm. And obviously, because you haven't got those beats, or you haven't obviously you haven't got those cues. Um, yeah, I mean the best ever example was um, in the Spy Love Me when Roger Moore's knocked out in the hilarious way on the boat. And yeah. you've got the sequence of him heading back to the office, and without sound, it, yeah. it, it's like yeah. around the world in eighty days. He's gone on a world yeah, tour on the way home. I expected him to want. I expected him to wander through fucking Scunthorpe on the way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, just it, it obviously detracts from. Obviously, when you're doing a commentary, um, mm. you do kind of need to, you know, turn the sound down so you can just waffling all over it. Yeah. Anyway, I suspect we can um, get into it and just make our observations as we go. Do you want to cut us in, Chris? Yeah, sure. Probably so, on the shape mission, so I should get on to um, I'll get on to Leo the lion. Uh, well, I'm, I'm on I'm on pause on zero, if you like, on the disc. So I've already gone through initiate mission. So if you want to do that and pause it immediately, and then he can catch us in. Catch okay, us in so I, I'm on a count. Okay, so okay, um, I'm on like yeah zero zero six, and it's, and it's just shy of two hours, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's about one fifty eight and some seconds. Yeah. I'm okay. on, are we on different formats again? Am I on the Blu-ray? I'm on Blu-ray, on and, and I say I'm on absolute, not absolute zero. That's like <laughs> no <laughs> energy in the school. universe. Um, no, I'm on, I'm on all the zeros basically. I'm on six. So I'm well, like six just, seconds. Just skip back. Just press skip back. It's okay. Okay. I'll be six right. seconds ahead. Okay. I don't see the point so doing that, just pause for six. <laughs> all right. Okay. I mean, I mean, we're gonna sort of, yeah. All right. Be about okay, Chris. Noise. Away you go. All right. Um. Ready. So one. Two and three. And away yeah, to play. Leo the Lion. I tell you what, they've cleaned Leo up since that film. Yeah, he looks good. Uh, no, I'm <laughs> saying on this particular print, Leo looks a little grainy, and they have cleaned it up since then. They have. United Artists. When did it's we stop? I think Die Another Day was the first film we didn't see United Artists at the front of. No, I um, yeah, I don't remember. My favourite gun barrel with my this, not, yeah, this is my favourite Brosnan gun barrel. Uh, it's my, yeah, it's my favourite Brosnan gun barrel, but 
this is my favourite visual, but there's other music from other mm. Bonds that yeah, I prefer. I, know, I, I, I think this, but it's yeah, the best it's music on my favourite visual. Yeah, it's really uh, relaxed. Well, isn't it? enough. That's probably my favourite music from the Gumbaro. You, you like the Bonds yeah, enough, yeah, okay. It's kind of like yeah, just sort of sweet, you know, iconic. Yeah. Now I must say, I've never put too much thought to how much sense this does or doesn't make. So maybe because when I watch Goldeneye, I'm tough on it at the start. I mean, because that pre-title doesn't make any sense as soon as you think about it. And I must say, I've never thought about this, but I do remember liking this. It's quite it, cool, it, isn't it? It, it is odd because this guy does play like a new Bond pre-title as well. You could, yeah, because he doesn't. Um... He's not introduced straight away, so it's like he's not. Yes, yeah, sorry, you mean first in a run like the Living Daylights yeah. or something, yeah. And there's Jeffrey. Yeah, it's a like that. There's Jeffrey. What's his surname? Rebecca. What's Jeffrey he... from that from that program. <laughs> I've never not known his name until I have to say it on a podcast. He died last year, in his nineties. Jeffrey Palmer. He, he, he could have played, played a good M as well. Yes, he could. He could have been. But then I still remember him cooking his own sausages in Faulty Towers, and that and that sort of <laughs> that sort of undermines his authority somewhat. He was he was what was that sitcom that he was in? With it was Gene called Dench? it was called As Time Goes By. As Time Goes By. That was it, it was a very gentle comedy. It was a sort of seven o'clock on a Monday night type of comedy. Um, it, it wasn't wildly funny, but it was like very very watchable with two very nice leads. Very gentle. It, yeah, it ran for years. It ran for mm. like they were people who found love together late in life. They both been like widowed or whatever. So yeah. they're well used to acting together. Yeah, they're kind of known, um, you know, kind of, you know, as a known <clears throat> on-screen couple, as it were. Yeah, and and um, Colin Salmon here, it's worth mentioning, and it did not damage because it didn't damage the later films. But the problem is they wanted Michael Kitchen back as Tanner, and he wasn't available. So they invent the Robinson character for Colin Salmon yeah, so here. For Tanner. And of course, by the last two, uh, by the next film, they're both in there when you only need one. Because they're trying to be fair, and it did tell me at this point there was nothing like ruthless about Michael and Barbara. They no. they needed to make a decision and go, no, sorry, the, char- the character as per the books is Tanner, or Michael Kitchen wasn't available last time, so we're going to go with Charles Robinson. And they had both of them in, and there wasn't room for them both, so they were taking turns to say stuff. Also, these this pre child scene on the ship. Let's see if we can spot how many before they were famous actors. Well, you're you're going to see. Um, I've, I've got them all listed. I've got them all listed. Um, so, yeah, we've got Gerard, Gerard Butler, Charlotte yeah, Buckwood, basically. Yeah, yeah he's... Um, just, uh, just, there's a couple that... He has a line as well. Uh, there's one... 25 it, degrees, but a stand. Yeah. <laughs> I can't do the Scottish accent. So you'll see. I'll try and point that out... That was a Scottish the accent. Blimey, I mean, no, at I, least I normally know what you're attempting. <laughs> when they come on screen, I'll try and point them out. But yeah, you've got Gerard Butler, Julie mm. Reintup, basically, uh, Hugh Bonville and Brendan Coyle, both known later on down the line for Downton Abbey is huge um, and obviously you've got the cameo there from Julian Fellow who obviously would go on to create Downton yeah. um, obviously as well we've known for other things uh, yeah well known writer um, on it Jason Watkins as well I have a feeling he wrote something like Gosford Park as well Gosford Park yeah he did definitely and the other, um, another series as well which is really popular yeah um, and you've got also well known British characters I recognise that guy just looked around then Torrance as well making yeah. an appearance but this is a well done sequence and presumably mm. that's CG and it's just about Maybe it's because there's not a lot of shots of it, so they can do it properly. Yeah. But, you know, it's actually looking pretty good. I kind of think that shot of the rocket launching as well, um, or the missile launching, mm. um, I think that was reused 
later on down I think either in those on a full down of the day it was reused again oh okay well I would say we'll look out for it but we've already commentated on those so I don't know yes, but yeah it'll, it'll be on there somewhere it'll be a fun fact though, mm. I imagine it's so comic, comic booky though this this sort uh, of it mm. and I mean that in a good way like it's yes. yeah it's, that's the thing isn't it it's kind of very much comic booky it's very exaggerated yeah, you know, I, I love the fact Pierce Brosnan has a ten- his Bond has a tendency to knock people out in one punch because they always say if all the Bonds fought each other would win who would win and the irony is it would be more or, more or Brosnan because they couldn't fight they just had him knocking out people in one punch Craig find, they found fighting that's, quite um, hard but that, that's, that's a movie trope though I mean, that, no but it, it was, just makes me laugh because yeah. if this was reality but Brosnan would have been punching that guy for about a month they'd all have been dead <laughs> if, you've, if, you've, if listeners if you've heard about anime One Punch Man that is Bros basically he does it in the world is not enough when he wheels he wheels he goes to that guy's room the South African and knocks him out with one punch and And he's knocked out for hours afterwards that's what Sir Roger does he does a judo chop yeah judo chop yeah but there's a bit more science in that isn't it a judo (laughs) chop it's precise it's it's forensic one might say (laughs) and he even distracts them with his oof (laughs) (laughs) yeah don't forget the uh, sort of Grab on swimming and and do a double kick. Yeah. Like do swinging. There kick. were only two bonds that were well known bruisers in real life, and it was the first two. Craig might have had the hardest screen presence, but like Michael Caine remembers like Sean Connery fighting four guys at the same time and things like that. Yeah. We know Lazenby was in a lot of fights. Yeah, the tough Scottish Yeah, yeah, we knew we knew yeah, the place we could fight. Yeah. Rumble. Mm-hmm. They're going to see this at the cinema, though. I do, I do seem to remember because this is like my first one at the cinema. Like, obviously, I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but like, when you know, so he kind of like flies into like all those flames and he goes, "Oh my God, Bond is dead!" Oh. And then obviously he comes out triumphantly. I, you know, I, yeah, I remember sort of thinking, "Shit!" <laughs> I, I had a, I, I remember watching this with my dad um, at, at the time, and I just remember having a complete blast. It was just like you know, fun from start to finish. My, my initial thoughts I saw it twice at the cinema and I was supposed to go with a friend who isn't partic- I don't see him a lot anymore to be honest mainly just because this is 25 years ago and you do lose touch with people but I'm still friends with him on Facebook he's a, he's a doctor in Wales now somewhere but um, he was going through a bad time in life right and he was a bit depressed so I'd like to cheer him up I was like oh let's go and see the Bond film on like whenever it is so let's say I'd said to him we'll see it in three days time I got impatient and went to see it the day before and I thought I won't tell him because he'll think like I couldn't wait for him I did screw it up when I laughed ahead of a joke the second time we saw it I laughed before a joke because I knew what was coming oh Dave which joke was it I can't remember now might have been the shooting from Stuttgart I can't remember pushing up on a little Danish might have been that I don't know (laughs) pain face (laughs) we could do like a drinking game I don't Games, I, but I, like, would, I would be dead. Um, how many times Bros has the pain face? I'd be dead. Um, I mean, if 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 you want to stay sober, just look for the expressions he does beyond the main two. You, you yeah, won't drink. You won't drink a lot of ten. Um, I recognise that guy in the back seat, put strangling him. Ooh, pain oh face. no, that one, pain the face. other one, the one flying. I recognise him. Yeah, he looks familiar. It was funny, just talking about recognising people from other things, we won't go on a massive tangent here, but just on Thor, at the end, 
spoiler alert everyone forward on 30 seconds you see hercules right oh, yeah. in the right the guy playing hercules was kerry godleyman's boyfriend in Derek. oh yeah really yeah i've forgotten about that yeah i was trying to place it for ages and eventually just had to look hercules who's hercules the pope zeus's son who said well yeah but which program are you talking about like Um, thor the latest thor film oh god yeah oh god yeah I'm not talking about Coronation Street, am I? <laughs> oh, you know, it was Emmerdale and uh, Hercules went into the war pack and had a tomato juice. No, no, but I was trying, trying to think what context, like which, which show or film. Were you no, no, about, no. Like... So the latest Thor film, you obviously didn't oh. hear me say that. Yeah. Backseat driver. That's a great uh, line. It's a great line. I love it. But I think they fell in love with it when they wrote it and just had him say uh, yeah, a funny line everywhere. It. I do like that, though. Ask the Admiral where he'd like his bombs delivered. <laughs> of course, the it's second like, scene smug. of the film would be Bond under a court-martial for insubordination. Mm. But yeah, but because it's a Bond, he gets away with it. You so. can't do that. I remember back in the Clinton era, there were members of the armed forces making like very lewd jokes about Monica Lewinsky and stuff and actually being a little oh. bit abusive with it. And some of them got court-martialed because he's commander-in-chief. It's insubordination. Yeah, you can't, you can't really do, do that, can you? So. If I have one negative, sorry, I went off about seeing this friend. My first impressions were I really enjoyed it. I didn't know what I thought about it compared to Goldeneye, but I would say because you had the casino in Goldeneye and the equivalent here was like a nightclub, you know, it felt like a nightclub anyway. I don't think I thought it was quite as stylish as Goldeneye, although now it's probably not dated quite as badly because there's some process photography on Goldeneye that doesn't look very good, like the plane and all that. Um, something I did a bit off topic something I did notice about going to see um, ugh, The Living Daylights sorry I forgot my brain there yeah no, I think <laughs> ugh, The ugh. Living Daylights yuck no, I always um, remember those boobs getting bigger there I was like blimey how big are they going to get yeah <laughs> yeah so it's one of those um, we talking about like JPR we always do like the X of Bond like, and, like the dogs of Bond or the trees of Bond or, and so it turned into a little bit like seeing like the naked ladies here in this pre-title sequence um like the bums of bond obviously <laughs> towards the end there are like two guys in his, his tent that kind of gets blown up and you just obviously they're naked and you kind of forgot oh you see their back so their backsides so it's a little bit bums of bond um but yeah there's a there's notice in that scene like where he goes oh you know i'll stab or where he'd like his bombs delivered um you kind of see like Brosnan getting quite, I mean, he's not like really sweaty, but you do see like you know sort of like a film of sweat. Obviously, where he's had to fight off that that bloke trying to strangulate him. Um, and you see it a little bit in in, um, in in daylights as well. You know, where he's trying to sort of he, he commandeers the plane, and he's trying to get you know trying to motion to Kara like drive around, and you can sort of you know he sort of basically mouths an expletive at her basically. But you can see he gets he's quite sweaty like having to having to do it as well, and also like where he where he's had to where he gives um, Nick Cross the boot. Um, and he sort of, he climbs back into the plane and dismantles um, disarms the bomb and you can see like he's really he's really basically he's really sweaty and really sort of re-knackered and I kind of think that's that's quite a good character beat actually it's you know it takes a lot out of you yeah. trying to do all this action pack stuff this is the problem with it I mean film on his face. Brosnan didn't sweat but I uh, did sweat sorry but but the problem the, the problem with this era and it was the same with the Roger Moore era is for example in the world is not enough he injured his shoulder 
and yeah. that was a massive big deal at the time yeah, and we'll see it in this film he wakes up after having had sex with her and his hair hasn't moved no, and, it, and it's like alright he doesn't need to look like a boxer in the 12th round or something but it, it at least put a little bit of damage on them I did yeah. I did appreciate that about the Craig era they are allowed to bleed where do you guys rate this pre-titles so for me it's, it's very pre-title or does, title really uh, oh, the title. title sequence sorry I found we found it a bit colourless yeah it's a bit I mean it's okay but it just for me it, the, the kind of um, the sort of TV theme gets a bit lost mm. yeah I thought so it, 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 it had it to is, be explained to me it is mostly babes and guns though that, well it is yeah martinis girls and guns it fits with the lyrics but I kind of feel that it, it could have a bit more I mean it get the yeah, more like screen he said like afterwards that, it was meant to be going into the workings of the TV and that wasn't clear to me at all no I, um, I didn't quite it is already, now when you watch it having been told yeah that. you can see you can see how it goes I'm, it's a shame this isn't the spy you love me because there'd be some boobs on the wall <laughs> well, it, what's the matter Admiral? you've never seen a female commander before or something like that no, have you never oh, seen you a, a, a commander of a shower or uh, whatever? Yeah, obviously, yeah, a commander of a shower. The answer would normally be no, wouldn't it? How many military gates has anyone seen of a shower? <laughs> I recognise him. Mind you, I keep thinking it's Tony Hadley from up. Spandau Ballet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's from Tony Hadley. Probably. Are we being <laughs> sunken? It's true. It's true. <laughs> it is gold. Gold. To cut a long story short, it's... Uh... We're in the wrong position. We've gone through the barricades. <laughs> I don't know any of the Spanish Valley songs. I'm sorry. Yeah, Ricky, that, that's all about. Ricky J. Um, he was in the Magic Circle, wasn't he? He was a magician. Yeah, he was a magician. The point I was going to make, though, is I can never remember whether it's his own voice in this film because I know he was overdubbed in certain films. It seems Ooh. very late in the day to it, be dubbing actors, but it could have happened. I think it might have been... Yeah, I, I don't... That's not in my knowledge bank mm. that he was dubbed. The only other thing I've seen Stamper in was Downfall. Oh yeah, Stamper. He was in Downfall as yeah, like a Nazi with, with he had brown hair in that though. I, I kept he, thinking, he who's this guy? Actually. Who's this guy? And I looked him up, and it's like, oh god, it's the same guy. <laughs> it's just Otto, it's, but with different colour hair. Yeah. Yeah, he was in Downfall. Oh, I think, oh, there's the guy from the Bill. Oh yeah. <laughs> Well, it's one of these things like the, all these random bit parts of characters that very often have been in like the Bill Emmerdale British soaps. Well, in, in, in the last one, you've got a uh, guy from Outnumbered, haven't you? Oh, well, oh. you have a, yeah, he popped up, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Hugh Dennis. Yeah, I wasn't expecting him to. We, we all, when you said I the mean, last one, we I like, thought you meant the last one back from this. You mean the last one they made, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, sorry, No Time to Die. Yeah, you have an unexpected cameo if you don't. I don't know what made them think of that. They thought, well, we need to cast a scientist. Like, what about the Milky Milky guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like casting um, Aid Edmondson in in Star Wars, in the recent Star Wars movie. Ah, but he did play he did play a red he did play a red Baron in Blackadder Goes Forth. Oh, that's true. So he has right. played something vaguely well, what Nazi-ish. A puff. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever felt the wind rushing through your hair? <laughs> he has. Brace, brace, brace. See, see, this movie just has all the, like the bomb tropes, and you got like you know, sort of like a, 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 a spy love me oh, kind of like. Yes, this is yeah, spy love me vibe. Yeah. Um, you got like the maniacal bad guy, 
Who, um... well, yeah, unusual henchman. And by definition, yeah. to be fair, to be fair, because I'm not a fan of him in this film, I'm a fan of him in life. I think he's a really good actor. But Jonathan Price in this film isn't for me. But what he I would say is, but what great. I would say is, the maniacal ones tend to be a bit marmite, don't they? It's like yeah, Stephen Burkoff. He, you either love so. or hate. He's, he's, he's just yeah, hammy. He's, he's just hammy. That's the thing. He's just like, right. This is like the larger life villain. Um, I, I wonder how like Anthony Hopkins would have done it. Would he have been as hammy? He'd have gone. Hey! Been more, oh, he, he, been more cerebral. We he, don't know. No, he, he would have gone full on. He full on ham. Yeah. Hmm. Fabulous. That's what we want. Very classy gesture oh, I, I read from him today. I read it on the sort of Better Call Saul site because that's a sort of thing I follow on Facebook. At the end of Breaking Bad, he wrote a letter to um, uh, what's he called? Who plays Walter White? Oh yeah, Frank yeah. yeah, that's it. He wrote to him and he wrote this oh, beautiful about what... message about saying what a wonderful show it was and how amazing the acting was. And it was just oh. he didn't need to do it, and it was There's beautifully written. Oh, that's there he is. Oh, is that a There he is. This is the Navy. <laughs> so, so that means he, he he dies in this, doesn't he? Yes. Is he another trope of dying in all his films? I didn't like this. Oh, I remember being annoyed by this. I don't like di- directorial ticks. Little oh, the stro- slow motion the st- Yeah, but it's strobing slow motion. Oh, but yeah, that's a bit annoying. But it's quite 90s, though. Yeah, a famous film director did one episode of The Sopranos. I think it was Mike Nichols. And he did a really stro- strong episode. And then right at the end, there was a slow motion bit of Carmelo like walking away, and it fucking ruined it. It was a bit of a trope. Mm. Do they sink that fast? Presumably, that's a miniature. You can normally tell by the water being slowed yeah, down. Yeah, it's a kind of. Well, that's a silly question, isn't it? Is that them. a miniature? No, they sank a fucking navy battleship for a movie. <laughs> well, it probably would have been a bigature, a big miniature. A bigature, yeah, the ones. I, th- I think that that phrase was probably coined by. Uh, by um, Jackson. Lord, by Weta. By Weta, yeah, for. Uh, um, when we get to Lord of the Rings very soon, we'll be talking about them because they aren't miniatures as you would know them. They are enormous. They are big itches, literally. Yeah, big that itches. was amazing. But they, they allowed for more detail and more granularity in your work when you're trying to dirty things down and stuff like that. I'll say now, when we come to do Lord of the Rings and talk about Weta, I will mention Thunderbirds, but I won't go off on a massive tangent oh, like we did listen. last time. No, the, the Lord of the Rings films are quite short. We need to pad them out. This is it. But no, I'll mention, you know, sort of key mention of um, Thunderbirds Argo, the 2015 series um, that was made by, um, yeah, in, in tandem with uh, Weta Pictures and uh, Weta Workshop and Pikiko Pictures. Um, I'll, I'll mention that further. Oh, on this is so visually in the tank at Pinewood, you can tell. Uh, but no, what I was going to say this was. This is also quite a controversial scene. Can I ask a really silly question that might expose me as a bit thick? I understand what his overall plan is here, and I understand that the GPS was to sink it in the wrong position, so they would have been sunk, and both sides thought they were right, and they'd be talking about war. But I don't understand the exact body count, and if you have them murdered there, you're giving away the real position of it, and you can tell it's not. You can tell the missile's been nicked. You can tell it's been hijacked by some kind of drill. Aren't you undermining your own plan? Yeah, well, probably. Don't look at it too closely. <laughs> Well, I just I like mean, to say, do you know that, that that scene where the divers are going down to to the wreckage? Yeah. Did you notice that with CGI? No. No, I didn't. Good. I mean, I I thought that as well, Dave, because he's talking about like survivors. Like, I wonder how many survivors. Yeah. It's like, yeah. well, okay, fine, but 
Yeah, so are not there and gunning a few of them. Don't yeah. look too, pl- don't look too you, closely at the plot. Isn't aren't, aren't, aren't you giving them witnesses? Like, oh, well, well, like there was this like weird boat that someone came out and shot a load of us. Yeah. Isn't that a bit suspicious? Well, exactly, exactly. Um, well, they used the right ammo. They definitely used that in dialogue, so that's fine. But it's like, if you've got bodies there, you're giving away the real location, probably. I, I, not suppose, in... I suppose when it's that sea, they're not that could stay in the same place. They could like float just so it's not really okay. evidence. Yeah. You could say that, but the whole idea of them walking out and... I mean, if they're going to kill everyone, so it's zero survivors, that makes mm. more sense, because, like, well, there's yeah. no one Can to... I just say... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling about... Yeah, yeah. It's the worst fucking cameo in the entire series. Yeah, considering slime, that's pretty bad. I have the videotape. <laughs> you, you know what his best cameo was? Plus it's a kill. Yeah, that was you, great. Voice cameo saw right, it. right at the start. I don't know where it is. It's right at the beginning. It's like yeah, so you, you don't see him, you can hear him. Uh, we might just catch the bastard. Yeah, I mean, the one in the world is not enough makes me laugh because he stood next to a re- he's a bouncer stood next to a really hard nut looking big black bouncer and it's like well, why would you put a weedy little <laughs> bloke there? I hate his one in Goldeneye because he's the only one at the table who can't act. The ones I like, if he I has... The one in Goldeneye is okay. I mean, if... he doesn't really have anything to, to do or say. He just sits there and be like, yes. But it's, it's, no, it's but it's obvious. the expression he pulls because he's the only one there is not really an actor, although he has acted no, okay. in things. The one... It's the same with Living Daylights as well, where he's, the... he's a theatre patron. He just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's quite fine. obvious. Even I, 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 I wouldn't have them, but if he insists on doing it and he's got ownership rights, so why not? Hitchcock um, cameo. Yeah, but Hitchcock was the director. We've had this conversation. He had some fucking input into the film being any good. I know, um, it's a trend, isn't it? It's but for example, in um, Quantum of Solace, he sat in a hotel lobby reading a newspaper. Well, that's, That'll that's, do. That's, That'll that's do. That's the best way to do it. That's the best way to Don't do it. Don't have him try and the, act. The thing so, the, no. thing so Hitchcock, it was a bit of a where's Wally kind of thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I'll see if you can spot him. Yeah. He, he's, yeah, exactly. he's, he's around somewhere. Yeah, when the point is, but nothing, no, none well, but the hardcore Bond fans. My point is, though, right? Everybody in the fucking world knew who Hitchcock was. There's <laughs> Never knew Michael yeah, G. Wilson. The average person goes to the cinema and goes, oh, look, that's Michael G. Wilson. <laughs> now, <laughs> Brosnan has more chemistry with this woman than anyone else in his fucking run, except Manny Penny. <laughs> I, I think it's fun, you know, trying to spot these things. I think it's a good laugh. I mean, I quite, yeah, I didn't mind the one to Goldeneye. It's just that you know that he's there in the same, yeah. the daylights as well. And I think the, yeah, the um, nice to kill one is very interesting because it's right at the start. And if, if you don't know about it, likely, you know, unless you're a hardcore bond, well, I don't go looking for them because they annoy so. me. Uh, when when he went on inside the actor's studio, she was in the audience because she was a teacher there. Well, she was, yeah. Wasn't she a student by that point? As I well? th- she was either a postgrad or a teacher. Was, yeah, I think she was a student. Um, so. But she was. Um, she still had a beautiful smile on her and stuff, and they were really happy to see each other. Yeah, that was lovely, wasn't it? That was really yeah. nice. That yeah. was such a great series. It was very sad when um, when he passed. Not was, but um, James Lipton. Lipton, that's the one. Yeah, when he yeah. passed away. The closest you've got that. now is act actors on actors. Mm, yeah, isn't it? Which I tuned in expecting something completely different. It turns out they were just chatting to each other. <laughs> that was the sexy version. Yeah. Well, it said, I don't know, Jennifer Aniston meets, I don't know, fucking J-Lo or something. I'm thinking, yeah, right, I'll have a look at that. But they just had a chat about movies and that. Sexy times. Um, yeah, I suppose they couldn't really resurrect it with, with somebody else. No, they couldn't, because he was dean of the place as well, so it wasn't just well, a was. question yeah, of getting a presenter in. Gets out from Oxford, quick, oh, look, didn't he? it is... A famous location in London, which we've also seen in Goldeneye. Name plot, that's so annoying. Well, wouldn't it be Whitehall? No, it's not Whitehall. 
Uh, cool Talk Gallery. Oh, okay. Right. Um, so yeah, and we also we also saw it at doubled for St Petersburg in Goldeneye, but all parts of it. Yeah, really. yeah, I know, I know it was parts of it. Um, like just before they go into that terrible scene with Michael G. Wilson. I think it's because he does stand out to me because I know who he is. If you didn't know who he was, you you wouldn't really be well, no, noticing. Well, no, that's it, exactly, because we know he's but there. But then he appeared he, he in... Asked, what tune to be looking for it? What so. film did he appear in is like a cancer doctor. Oh, didn't know I, that. I can't remember, but he was all right in that. I don't think he's terrible. I, d- I don't. No. I think maybe. It's just one of those things. If you're, you're attuned, you're kind of you're. I don't know. It might be the stage fright moment of this is my big scene that fucks it up. Whereas when you give him a small <laughs> role with a few I scenes, he's like all right. He was the doctor in some film. Well, they used to do that with um, and Morse, didn't they? They used to give, used to give him sort of. I'm wondering um, if it was the program, the Lance Armstrong film. Oh dear. Because he was treating someone for cancer, and I'm thinking of that film because Lance Armstrong had pro- had cancer before all the drug problems. Yeah. And he was sort of treating some guy in it. I don't. Know, I think so. I might be wrong. The thing is, I think he may have been uncredited. Oh no, he is. He's Lance's doctor in the program. That's ah. um, that's the film about all sort of Lance Armstrong's drug drug treating uh, cheating in the Tour de France. It stars Bed Foster, who was in the X Men films, and he was the bad guy in Three Ten to Yuma, sort of Russell Crowe's first lieutenant, if you like, or lieutenant, if you in our language. Chris O'Dowd is in it as the journalist that sort of broke it all. David Walsh. It's it's oh. worth watching and. Uh, Ben Foster is eerily like Lance Armstrong in it. So this is unusual, like like bomb on them on the way uh, somewhere. Is yeah, unusual yeah. MC. Can it? I say I I had mixed feelings about it, uh, w- which come out positive by the way. The negative is I I like M's office. I like yeah. Having I, said I, I, that, I, scenes. I mean I'm not saying her office particularly, although I like it as a variant. But I always used to like the go to the office and talk to M. Having said that, one of the best M scenes of the lot is in Moonraker. It is in Venice. So, but I liked it as something different. And, yeah, it's nice. The, it's nice kind of like you have an office scene, especially if they're in the in the field, as it were, or in a different location. But yeah, it's kind of there's in, in this car, here. you feel a little bit like Ugh. this sells yeah. that there's urgency. Got two days. Yeah, this I quite like this in its way. Oh. I can't remember well, the name of that location. That, That's about, time for some, about time for a pumping joke. Yes, pumper <laughs> for information. The first film, it's like you're a sexist. There weren't any consistency in the scripting of his films, largely because the first three films are all scripted by different people. But the first film, it's like you're a sexist, misogynist dinosaur. And, and in the same scene, <laughs> it's awful. come back alive. And in the second film, it's like get out there and fucking knobber. Right? Island. <laughs> <laughs> Cross. Oh, that's going to annoy me. Pumper for information. Somerset House, that was it. I can't remember the name of the location there, but yeah, Somerset House. Somerset House belongs to somebody very famous, doesn't it? Does it now? I don't know. I would have to look it up. I don't know. I'm hoping no one looks it up and they just assume I've got some wisdom here that I can't quite recall. I'll quickly Google it, see what, see what Google says. No, oh, it, it is so, an art centre. Yeah, also formed it. Also filmed at Portsmouth Dockyard, which I didn't realise. Okay. And also okay. Plymouth, apparently, Dave. He wants a t- he wants a, location. He wants a template. He wants a tabloid for the uh, for the flight. You can tell um, David Arnold uh, thought 
this is like just one opportunity to do a Bond score, so yeah. he just went all in. Yeah, oh, he did. He put the Bond theme on like... it too much. I don't dislike it, but there's too much Bond theme on this. Oh, I love it. It's great, especially especially now with the Daniel Craig era. We hardly ever hear it. Yeah, but it's something like 13 times. When you think of your favourite Bond scores, the Bond theme isn't in it. A it's, huge amount. No, it's, it's, it's always there, yeah, it's but it's that they create new themes based on the mm-hmm. same oh. notes and stuff. Um, I yeah, I just, yeah, I, if I that was Roger it. Moore's Bond, he'd have gone straight to page three just to see if tomorrow did did do that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. <laughs> this is much much better. Most people remember the Golden Eye scene, or they remember the World Is Not Enough scene with Desmond. I love this because, scene. It's great. Yeah, well, this is what I'm about to say. The Golden Eye scene they like because it's all full of jokes and don't take that. That's my lunch, right? And in the third lunch. one, they like it because it's his final scene and he goes down. Everything. This is his best scene with Brosnan because they shot it, shot it. In a lot of short takes, whereas in the Goldeneye, you could see him reading the auto cue. Yeah, you can literally see. It. He looks over Brosnan's shoulder and reads a card, and then looks back at him. You can see. Yeah, it. you can't hear. But, but here, you kind of got that. You, you, it, the shots are composed in such a way that it hides that a little bit. Yeah, it's much better. It's a better shot. But what would it you really expect is. from the director oh, it's, of it's Stop on My Mumble Shoot? <laughs> I do love it just a little bit. Oh, no telephone. New telephone. See, there's all this now. You know, we have it on our iPhones fingerprint scanner you can lock it and unlock it with your fingerprint yeah can't like electrocute people with it though well no you can't no that's probably for the best and remote control car that's a thing now self-driving cars self-driving taxis it's a bit dangerous but yeah so it's a technology that we have now gps is now standard but yeah, I, I've again, I've always got mixed feelings on it because I'm a, you know, I'm a Bond fan. I obviously, to some degree, like some of this twatting around. But <laughs> I started to resent. I, I started to resent in the Roger Moore era that he'd be asked to do something or asked about something, and he'd be the world's greatest fucking expert on he everything immediately. Yeah, he's, and it's yeah. the same in Tomorrow Never Dies. He's broken your record. It's like, of course he fucking has. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's like. He has to drive it perfectly just for a bit of fucking wanking off over his skills. <laughs> there was no need for that. And there's no way he'd do that. He wouldn't have that much confidence in his abilities. Deeper, deeper. Fucking shattered knees going, well, I've nearly got it. No. You, you, <laughs> to, to I, fair, I don't think you wouldn't see Daniel Craig doing it there. He'd really trash it first. And To, to be there, Bros does have, does have like a little bit of thing at the end where he's a bit like, that's a bit close. Oh, I yeah, he was off. like, that was closer <laughs> yeah, than I, I, I meant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. smug bastard. Yeah. Um, and I, 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 this choice—the choice of this car was the director's. He wanted a saloon, and I'm yep. not sure why, because it's the most boring fucking Bond car of the lot. The scene at, at the cover at the media show—I'm not really a big fan of. Do you know what I don't um, like about it? It does move quite slowly. Um, I try to go into every film fresh, and I think over the years I've proved I do that. But my biggest problem with this is I was comparing it to Goldeneye and you had the fucking beautiful casino scene in it. Yeah, that was amazing. And he turns up here in what looks like a fucking nightclub. And I just don't <laughs> like the visual of it for a Bond film. It's like Bond It's like Bond in Vegas. Things you should never see in a Bond film. Bond in a nightclub. <laughs> it, it, I think I think what it is, it's just a little bit dated. Uh, it looks very yeah, 90s. It does. I mean, May, well, maybe you could say early 90s. He should take some ecstasy now and fucking dance off his tits for a few hours. <laughs> I think it's, just, it's the lighting, isn't it? And it's, um, it's, you know, Wayland's very, very sparkly dress. But didn't we have, when you think of his tux, tux scenes in the first and third films, they're both in very classy locations, aren't they? Mm. 
Yeah, they are. But here it is a little bit kind of 90s nightclub, isn't it, pretty much? Yeah, didn't like it. Um, this is actually the IBM building, um, thanks to IndieB.com, IBM building, um, and they've got links randomly, well, not, not Hamburg or wherever. IBM.com, so IBM, IBM. are into, oh, IBM are into <laughs> computers and the internet now, are they? No, um, yeah, but the cocktail party, IBM building, New Square, they've got uh, links. Yeah. Um, but I think you, you can you can go there, but you have to kind of like go set I, I don't know what emotion he's trying to sell here. Because I don't think he's got any particular feelings for her. He fucked off and left her years ago. But he walks well, in. great. He gives him a slap. He tries to look, sell himself as all like nervous to talk to him. His, his being slapped face is hilarious. Um, and then it's like, yeah, did I get later on? It's everyone cheered. When, when just, he literally slapping. is just fucking her for information. But now it's like, you know, I had feelings. Um, no, you didn't. <laughs> well, we don't know. That she was apparently, I mean, it was going to be Monica Bellucci, and then the, stu- the studio wanted preferably an American ac- actress, certainly a name, and they went with her, and her and Brosnan did not get on, did not have great chemistry. Brosnan has sort of, being a gentleman, apologised years later because he said he was angry when she got to set late, but he didn't realise she was pregnant. But I think that's just him being polite. She's on a film. She was turning up late. Uh, they'd kiss and she was complaining well, that's about that's his stubble. That's why you only see her from, from the waist upwards. And when you see that none of the sort of desperate housewives she act, acted with ever talk to her anymore and are all friends with each other, that tells you Terry Hatcher is not an easy person to work with. Mm. And we could have had Monica or, Bellucci. Or, or, or what others might say, a twat. Yeah, sorry, I w- I'm trying not to say <laughs> sorry, that. Sorry, I was a knob. <laughs> yeah. No, but the point is... Right, I could say the C word. Had, had, had it been... Um, Monica Bellucci I think they would have got a bigger part for her here I think what happened is they worked together they were losing time because she was late to the set anyway her and Brosnan had no fucking chemistry the bit where he disrobes her looks nice but that's the way it's shot not that they have great chemistry and they didn't really get on and so her part just got progressively cut back which ruins it a little bit because you're either selling them as having feelings in which case she has to be in a bit more of it than this or it doesn't matter, and she's I, just a sacrifice. I tell you why this doesn't work, and and and, and because I was thinking like of Mark Bichelli in the in, in the role, hmm. she you would you would kind of see like a she would have a bit more tragic sort of vulnerable vulnerable kind of like presence. Here, Terry Hatcher is just all like. Don't give a fuck. No, she's I'm with just... her. She's with her husband. She's sort of lying to her husband with no fear. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm f- full of confidence, no consequences, there's just nothing. Um, you need to hint at d- darkness. Now, it's a Bond film, it's mm. PG-13, I don't think you necessarily want him as some overtly violent wife-beater, but I think you need more of a hint of that. They did sort of hint at it a little bit later on, but you've al- it's already been ruined by this scene, where she's perfectly happy with her husband. It appears. Mm. And Wei Lin might as well not be there. I think Michelle's, you know, Michelle Yeoh's great. She's great. She's in amazing. Every, she's great in everything she does, but she's just she's got... She, I don't know, she just doesn't have any chemistry with anyone in this film. I, th- I, I do kind of think her and Bond do have chemistry, but I think she's... It's not romantic, though, is it? No. She kind of, yeah, it, she, she holds her own, really. It, it, it really should have... I mean, again, it's, it, it's adding to the trope that Bond has to 
Shag, shag of someone uh, at the it's end. kind of win the guard as a trophy at the end and I feel like with Whelan it's unnecessary it, yeah it could have just been like oh I'm a fellow agent let's go get him uh, and and this is exactly. and that's what the Craig thing? era did I'm, I'm, I'm Bond yeah, 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 well, definitely it's like it's the first film that where it's yeah, yeah, Bond doesn't get, the, doesn't get the trophy you know and or doesn't have to save doesn't have to save the girl I do kind of feel like Whelan could have got out, got out of that she didn't need saving by Bond um, I, I made I found it very um it's the only time, I think, in the Bond series where, even in Quantum of Solace, it didn't, that when he kissed the Bond girl at the end, as it always was in the early days, it actually felt jarring. I was like, it's really odd, those two kissing. It, it just did not feel right. And it's the only time I've ever really felt like that. didn't think he had great chemistry with Halle Berry, but it, they were much more playing the game of what she was there for, and they, they, they had a bit more spark, but I don't know. And that most of the guys who tried to pe- beat Pierce Brosnan up here are like what I joked Roger Moore's henchmen were becoming at the end. None of them look that hard. I mean, they're big, but they look old. No, but there's, <laughs> they've, what, the ones in the sort of paper print press later on, it's like he's he's beating up he's beating the, the, up your the, uncle. The, the year and a half away from retirement. The year yeah. I mean, the trouble is, I think Big Ron from EastEnders has passed away by now, so you couldn't reprise him. No, Big Ron. Oh, dear. And I, th- none of this ever made sense to me as well. I know it's a soundproof room, but like he's been seen com- coming there. He's got a cover story. <laughs> he's on the guest list. It's, it's, it's not a very... It's, it, to me, I kind of feel it's like... Um, it's a very kind of... I try, I'm not struggling to describe... Um, it's not a very glamorous way for a villain to kind of do away with Bond, is it really? It's, it, was, it was quite lazy. Um, not very much thought was gone into it. Well, he's trying to pump him for information. <laughs> trying to dump him for information. Should have put him in that chair from the end of the first series of Blackadder. Where it would take off his ears and, like, grind his dick off and shit like that. No, he, I just, I just he, thought... He used to do the watcher. Oof! A lot no, of that. Yeah, he did. The problem, I th- the, the problem here is, and this is where I get Becker's point, don't think about it too much, but plots should have some logic and I do think that this is probably not their fault, this is probably rushing a script but Bond is there on the guest list, right? He's been sort of faked onto the guest list but he's on the guest list, right? Which several staff have seen, they know he's a banker from Zurich, he's been introduced to a loads of people and then he disappears that's not a good idea you do not kill him there on the evening or anything like that it's not in the handbook, you know. Um, and I really, I have a real problem here with them referring to it as a station break. That's an Americanism. A British <laughs> agent would not call it that. Well, yeah, well, it is a little bit. There, there are going to be some Americanisms from time to time. He should be it? saying, time for an advertisement break. Yes, time for a commercial break. Um, have we had Ed Winchester yet? No, we haven't, have we? Ed Winchester, sorry, Elliot, we didn't do <laughs> We it. didn't do it. Whose one joke was standing in front of a camera and saying, I'm Ed Winchester. Hi, I'm Ed Winchester. And then being cut off. So he was obviously in some location where something dramatic was happening in the background. Hi, I'm Ed Winchester. And then being cut off. The the thing with Elliot's speech is, like, who's actually watching this? Yeah, nobody. I mean, like, I've even. What's on TV tonight? Some media mogul's going to talk about shit. (laughs) Yeah, nobody's going to be watching that. Although this is back in the day where like you maybe just about hang on a minute, hang on a minute. Even like even like sort of the biggest one like that has 
quite popular, like, like Steve Jobs back in the day when he did his announcement, like, that wasn't broadcast on TV. No, but neither is this. It's the Carver Media yeah. Network. It's a bit like, no. it would be like Rupert Murdoch on Sky or something. Yeah. And it would be launch night in a new territory. So somebody, if they'd hyped it up, that it was now launching somewhere, people might tune in for the first night knowing the first 10 minutes is the chief executive or chairman or whatever he is. Well, I wonder, would it and be... And then straight into the all, evening's programming. Or would this be literally just for press, or would it be trade? So Sponsored would it be, by would it be Smirnoff. At all? <laughs> is that, you know, would it be something that the general public see? Um, or would, would it be just, you know, kind of like, not proof of concept, but something for, you know, for the industry, for the trade? I think it's launch night somewhere. Yeah. The, the Carver Media News, or whatever it's called, is on yeah, in the yeah, UK, on in America. They've now launched in, well, it can't be China, because that's the point of the film, but they've launched somewhere. Yeah, yeah that, that's what he's And it's opening was. night, and it's a simulcast across all versions of the channel, where you've got 10 minutes to for the chairman to announce the new launch, and then they'll be on to something else. At the end of that speech, had it not cut off, the party would have continued, but like, Carver news around the world would have gone back to tonight's headlines. Pure acting from Terry Hatcher there. I've never thought she's any good. Oh, she's okay. I think it's a bit like Catherine Zeta-Jones. I think she's got a fundamentally unpleasant screen presence, and it's not about whether she's attractive. It's not even about talent. There's just something that you go, I, I wouldn't like you. Not a fan. Not no, a fan. I've always thought she was pretty lousy, and then I started re. Sometimes you can sense things before, and I don't know what that is. Like I always thought James Franco came off as fucking slimy, and then you start finding out that yes, he was. And uh, I, a, a couple of years into Desperate Housewives, well, I, I think early in Desperate Housewives, I heard about her behaviour on the set of this. Mitigation, she was pregnant, so morning sickness, things like that, admittedly. But then I heard, like, all the Desperate Housewives are great friends, but none of them talk to her. She's fucking awful. And you just think, like, how many times does this have to have to happen on different sets and different projects before you go, well, she's, she's the common denominator. Anyone can like anyone yeah. can come off as a dick on one set. Well, personalities clash and whatnot. It does happen, but well, Brosnan, yeah. Brosnan was making films when his wife was dying of cancer. He can't have been a fucking walk in the park, can he? Mm. You know what I mean. So I, I, you'd forgive anyone once. It's a bit like when people say, "Oh, I met Billy Connolly once, and he was an asshole," and you think where was he did you bother him in a restaurant was he having a bad day and he you just a sample size of one proves nothing or if yeah. you meet george and he is actually a knob well so. well he was <laughs> no 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 he was he was charming so uh, he had a few drinks in him so <laughs> well george lazenby i i sort of you know his film's my favorite and i find him engaging and i like the film they made about him but no, it, it, it seems that all his stories are about how many women he fucked and about how I did it my own way and then he tells stories with a slightly different wrinkle each time so you think how honest are you and so and I have he's kind my... of going through the filter of, of his of his handler really isn't he so I yeah, he wants to tell it one way but then he's got his manager I... saying oh no George tell it like this I don't know I, I don't know what to think of him his film will always be my favourite though um, but, it's one of those things, isn't it? I mean, you always say, oh, don't meet your heroes. I mean, yeah, they're going to be going to be lovely or might be a bit of a dick, but I think... No, I think my, I think the lesson just, would you know, be, be wary of meeting your heroes, but certainly don't judge on meeting them once. No. 
because you know I, I, I there are people who've met me in this world who don't like me you know and it, it, they may have met me once or they may you, genuine, they? you know it's just what experience did they have how old was i what was going on in my life did i You're misjudge a joke was i pissed probably um how he likes biting well. doesn't he eh Sorry? How are they feeling as well? Exactly. Well, yeah, Did they take like something I said the wrong way, you know? Mm. And I, I just think, so had I heard she was an asshole on this film, but she went to do six, seven, eight series, whatever it was of Desperate Housewives and they're all still mates, you'd go, well, fair enough. She was pregnant, stressed, sick in the morning, fine. But I never hear anything good about her. Never. Uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones isn't quite the same thing. I don't hear she's a bad person or anything. I just... I don't know. I just think he's an unlikable screen presence. Never like her characters or anything like that. He likes to bite, doesn't he? Mm. He's quite biting. There he goes, biting the shoulders. I think that's kind of like his, his getting <laughs> style. Do you, think he d- do, you think, uh, do you think after he makes love to the corpse, he eats it? Oh. Let's not go there. Anyway, moving on. Well, we'll be back to it in a while. Delicious. <laughs> Delicious. Yeah, it's like zombie bond. Mm. Now this, okay, there's an I, I always found this interesting when he said, you know, he's ten year perfect employment record, ten years, dotted every I, crossed every T. What does that mean, government agent? If something's <laughs> too good, and I thought, yeah, wouldn't they know that? If you were building a cover for somebody, wouldn't they have uh, had maybe they kept it? Well, maybe they've been there ten years, but they did have a warning eight years ago for excessive sickness. <laughs> nothing criminal See, nothing they the, were fighting the thing is though like I, I, I get what you mean Dave but I find that actually really easy to believe I find I find it like that this is what governments would uh, would actually would be would be like that they would be like oh no absolutely everything's fine no issues that's, if, that's... If, 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 if in anything it will probably be like dead boring so it just like passes everyone by like oh it's just some yeah but you, you know. don't want you don't want anything that stands out. I mean, you're not going to put he was investigated for sexual harassment four years ago. What I'm saying is, if I think back over my work career, they've said 10 no, years That would be a balls right. thing to so say. So, for example, I was in a job for 12 years, right? And I had an informal warning. Well, it was an informal conversation, but it would have gone on my record. Because I had, like, a really bad cold. So bad I couldn't go to work. And about a month or two later, I got another one something like that and then i'd got a stomach upset it was just three things quite close together where i don't know if i was still on probation or what but i was called in for a conversation they were never going to fire me they were never going to give me a formal warning but if you hacked into my record it would be there you need to put something like that there so uh so uh, members members of the uh Intelligence, yeah. Have your agents get the shits at least once. <laughs> Just throws off the scent. So yeah. No, well, a sense. Scent is not the word to use in the same <laughs> sentence. As shits. All these guys. All these guys look tough, don't they? Fuck, I wouldn't want to fight any of them. <laughs> demand isn't that morning, or is that Sunday or something? What's the, what's the word demand in French? Tomorrow. I thought it was. It's the French French edition. Yeah, it's the French edition. Nothing says I'm hard like a like a smart blazer. That's why no one fights Alan Partridge. (laughs) 
Mind you, it's a step up from jumpsuits, though, isn't it? Just a little bit, yeah. Safari suits. It's quite funny how like Bond breaks that really expensive satellite. That looks like it cost about four pound fifty to put together. Yeah, but it's they put not they put a budget worth... bit of budget on this film. You can't really call it cheap for the era, yeah. but that is not a three hundred million pound piece of kit. I'm sorry. And they got like the, the shower model. That's it was put together like, for like, a school project. Separating them all. My first satellite, built by Timmy, age twelve. Built, yeah, literally. <laughs> Oh, it looks terrible. It's it's the worst thing in the film that way. There's one other effect that looks really bad for the film book in the film book. Given it was 1997, we'll get there. I, I'm not sure if they could have done it any better. Well, I'll tell you now. It's when Stamper's foot is under the rocket and starts to burn. Oh yeah, that's a bit of a dodgy. That looks terrible, but I don't think you can do better. Bear in mind, this is the same year as an American Werewolf in Paris. Is I think. <laughs> It's one of those things. It's going to be that amazing sequel. Time, isn't it? Yeah. Sequel to, to if a you make a if, if if you make a sequel to an American Werewolf in London, there's two things you've got to try and get right, and one is absolutely non-negotiable. One is the transformation sequence has to be brilliant mm. and innovative. The second thing is you've got to balance comedy and horror, and it didn't do either. He gets into this safe now, and I love the fact it's full of like needles and porn. <laughs> it's like oh he's evil he looks, and then you think looks it's like it's like pottersville he's, he's having a great time what's wrong with that he hasn't got he hasn't opened it and it's got the angling times in there yeah jr hartley fight fishing at the angling times and some murray mints <laughs> well you got money you got drugs sex you know. spiel so that's sex talk well, not only sex play actually so he likes games talk. all right well, that's what my German A level tells well, me. He wouldn't just have his holiday straps or something like that, or... No, it's something very, you know, very wholesome. He doesn't lock the door behind him, does he, no? Like, he doesn't put anything back where, where it was, you know, he just leaves everything open, all the drawers open, all the rest of it. It's clear that somebody's been rifling through. Well, yeah, he's not... This seems good. really cool. Yeah, but he's not a very good spy. I mean, he's, no, he's, he's not... working his ass off now. And what's he trying to do, right? He's trying to find the location of the Devonshire... What happens when he eventually gets there? She's already there. He's a crap agent. All this, all this build-up for something that she's she's figured out another way to do it. No problem. Now techno music because it's cool and modern. Oh no! I don't know whether I think that's hilarious or awful. Um, I don't think it's David Arnold's first score. I think it's a best score. I think uh, what I would say is it's yeah, a Casino Royale's is best score. No, I mean even of the Brosnan era. But what oh, I right. would what I would say is it's a perfect first score because if you called in and the previous guy had only do, done one, the previous guy before that, Michael Kamen, had only done one, you are kind of you, even though you've got the job, you are auditioning. You know, if you want to be a John Barry and do several, you're auditioning with your first score. So he's gone very. He's tried to modernise, but he's kept in modern elements. Uh, sorry, he's kept in classic elements. He's he's reminded them that he's happy to use the Bond theme, which is someone else's work. I I think it's a I think it's a decent first effort. And this is where he goes and fights a load of guys who really don't look like fighters. This guy looks like he should be selling, yeah, just retail or something. 
And this next guy... See, 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 the, 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 yeah, the one guy he fights is, like, literally just... <laughs> Like a manager from Tesco. Yeah, the next one across, I was just thinking he should yeah, be like... Yeah, he's a bit of bank manager, I was, thinking, I was thinking because of the colour of the blazer, I was thinking hotel concierge for this guy. Yeah. He was like, it's okay, we'll have, that, we'll have that sent up to your room. Right. <laughs> See, he, he, he's, he's, he's half the size of... I know, and he doesn't look very convincing when he's hit Brosnan. I don't think he's that great physically. I liked his run. I think he moves quite well. And then he says this line to nobody in particular while there's blood poured everywhere. Days. It's not a very good line. At least he brushed, I think it's it, great. He brushed his hair before he... T- but who's it to? It's a great line. It's, it's shit. It's to us. It's the audience. It's the open anything these days. And especially now, since, you know, obviously, obviously we have, you know, Biden in the White House. But, you know, during the Trump era, we had, like, fake news. And it's, it's all come around again and it all become become relevant again hasn't they'll it they'll print so anything these they will days. literally print anything that's these like days. he's that's like he's keen to get home <laughs> it's weak <laughs> well, yeah, he's, he's that basic you know any of these like Sir Roger one liners but you're just repeating something random people he's say in a similar you know, context it's not, not just wink wink to the audience what, 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 line. What, what, what line would you would think would be better don't fucking use a, what a line just this a, is the desperation of you need, you need a line something like that Need lines. Bond needs lines, but he doesn't need lines everywhere. You I, know. I, I think that's close. I think. Like, like in, 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 um, uh, like, yeah, it's been, for example, like where he kind of falls into the couch scene. I kind of feel like he does need a line. He needs a line to say. No, it was camp <laughs> enough as it I, 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 was I, I, without I, I, him I'm, saying I'm, I'm bottoms up here. or something. I'm a do you need cheesy line? I think I think with that particular like 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 death bit that calls for a line. What when he when he fell onto a couch that no, 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 no 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 this one there yeah it's got it's got to be better than something your fucking dad says when he's pissed off by a red top newspaper they print anything <laughs> right, these Dave, days it's what, what shit what should he say then you've got to write the line <laughs> what, what should he say to be honest i i still stand with that if you, the thing is what you're asking me is what the writers are asking each other what line can we put there? And my answer's the same. I don't have one at the moment, so a line doesn't go there till I think of one. And I've yeah, not... well, let, let us know. Let us know. If when I think of think one, of it, great. Let us know. If I think Alternate of one, lines. great. But the problem is, and it gets worse with Purvis and Wade, that they force a line. A global warming is a terrible thing. Is that really the best you can do? We've yeah, got to have a line. It's like, well, no, you didn't have one, did you? So don't bother. No. And so listeners, if you're listening to this, yeah. um, and instead of saying um, the thing these days, what should, you know, what should I've, I've no said? problem with the fact that Brosnan is at the lighter end, and at the lighter end they no. quip a bit more. I'm fine with also, him having. How bad is his quips. parking? He parks that car in like diagonal. Yeah, it's He takes parking. over two spaces. It's really. Awful. I mean, I, I'm not a motorist, um, and I probably couldn't park the pants. Um, but to be I honest, think that's it's driving parking. directly into the space. You'd have been fine. Your, your wheel is over the line. Like somebody else couldn't park there. Oh, he's going to be gutted. Unless he's got a really he's small gonna, He's going to be gutted when he gets a ticket. <laughs> how many parking tickets? How many? You know, how many cars did you write off? Oh, and he's like, oh, she's still warm. <laughs> I'm just quickly having the ball. But I mean, you shouldn't really be delighted when the sacrificial line is dead. And I just remember going, oh, she's no loss, because they hyped her a bit, and she was. And the thing is, she was a name, so you were going to hype her a bit, but she was in kind of a scene and a half. Things that you weren't really that surprised because, like, all the promo showed it, like, in, in, in like, one one or two scenes, that yeah, was it. Yeah, absolutely. 
the late Vincent Schiavelli. He was fabulous, absolutely fabulous. Died about eight years after this. Died of lung cancer. Um, I still think of him first, and it's it's a film I've seen once and did not like. But when I see him, the f- uh, no, that's not true. When I first see him, the f- I think of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest because he's one of the he's yeah, one he's of the in that role, that. Isn't he? But he was also the guy, the ghost in Ghost that taught Patrick Swayze to touch. Yeah. On, on, on that, uh, yeah, he the, was in that too. And when I picture him, even when I th- I think of that film first, the first one I said. But when I visualise him, I visualise him as he looked in Ghost, slightly wackier hair and a bit slimmer than here. Yeah, I think he was also in Princess Bride. I want to say I kind of think he probably popped up in that as well. Right, he's oh he'd have been in loads of things. He's been, yeah, loads of things. It's one of those one of the things like you, you know him as soon as you see him. And I, I just way. I love the fact right he's meant to be super competent and he all his speeches about how competent he is but he's basically a comedy henchman and it I keeps and it keeps and it keeps cutting. Oh, it's a great line and he's a good character. I like him. This is not a criticism, but in terms of like credibility. He's bested rather easily here. And then it cuts to outside and they're all firing guns at bulletproof cars at angles where it would bounce off back into each other. Yeah, you sort of have to... Everybody sent to do this job is as thick as shit. (laughs) But Bond walks on over them, so it's all right. But he only ever looks like Fleming's Bond to me twice. And the one was when he was sat in the chair having vodka before she came in. And the second one now is when he overpowers him and points the gun at his head and says, me too. That is, that's Ian Fleming's James Bond. Literally, when I saw this at PCC, this got the biggest laugh. Like, obviously, the, like, you could shoot you from a guard and still it's a pop-up effect. Got a big cheer. But this line, this line about it called it out of a club, like, got the biggest laugh. It is funny because I do remember reading that um, Brosnan was doing the, the drinking scene with the vodka that... It's like oh, the scene needs needs me to have, be smoking. Like it just calls for me to have a cigarette. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, he did actually say that, didn't he? He needs to be doing something. Yeah, I don't agree, but I see his point because he feels like the Fleming Bond there. But yeah, when he points the does. gun down at here, it's something you very rarely get with Roger Moore. He he would you know he, he he got it once or twice, but there was a coldness to him then, and you didn't often get mm-hmm. that. And I, I liked no, it. I think he had potential in the role. I think what does hurt him is the thing that no one ever mentions. His voice is thin and reedy. Oh, uh, I like yeah, you can't. You know, no, like, it's a pleasant a, voice, but it, it's not. It's not a killer. And also, voice. with Mr. Roger being as tall as he was as well, he's going to have that sort of really, really Roger was just know, so really much more. It just, it just adds screen presence. It really does. But yeah. this is good. This is good. I, yeah, I think. Well, I think Bros does have that presence as well. I mean, each actor kind yeah, of brings, you know, brings their own kind of. Uh, yeah, brings their own presence to the role. I think they've all been, you know, good and bad in, in, I know, I know. in various aspects as well. But oh, let's just, make it love. A bit different. Oh, what, hey, he's, he's, oh, he's, he's, he was kissing her a bit long there, wasn't he? <laughs> like compared to Roger, you know, George sounds a little bit. You know, he's got his accent sort of creeping in very occasionally. Even he tries to kind of. I know, it, but most of them have fa- most of them have fairly deep voices, and Roger uh, Pierce is just quite high. Him, you know, kind of like I think if well. P- if Pierce Brosnan was built like George Lazenby, I don't think it would be would matter. But because well, he's be like, because he's very slender, and his features are quite feminine, the high voice doesn't help with this idea of him as like a one punch knockout artist and killer. I don't think it. No, I think it looks great. He's he's up there with, with the best of them. To he be likes sleek. He looks sleek, and I, I would say a lot of people have laughed at it, but I genuinely like his run. I think he's got a very nice movement to him. His gun barrel's very good. No, I, I, I don't care what you say. I, 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 I do wonder. Cool. I do wonder what um, 
it, 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 how it would play if he was given like a little bit more like oh how how he'd what, like to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like how like because he he talked about maybe sort of doing things a bit darker. Didn't he, he he didn't like doing this greatest hit shit. Um, I think we assume he wanted to do all the quips and bollocks, and he didn't. He didn't. He just said I was caught between Sean and Roger, and I didn't nail. A, I didn't nail in his, my interpretation. Now that doesn't stop people liking him, but I'm saying he wasn't that fond of his own work in it. This is why I don't want Henry Cavill because I've just got this strongest feeling he'd be Brosmark too, i.e., no take on the role, just um, like Greatest Hits yeah, Bond. Not a fan of, yeah. I just think it, the Brosnan Bond is is charming enough mm. and likable enough, and I can totally respect people who really really like him. I don't hate him by any stretch of the imagination, but I just he, think he's got no take on the role. He, it's just. He's just he's, he's just he's, a cipher. Think, he looks good in the he, suit. Think, yeah, he does the quips. I think That's he it. looks good in the role. Um, yeah, I, I I just think he's just he was just like hampered by the, the movies and the production decisions. I would love I to I, see had, what had, he would have done. Had he had a bit more competency with the scripts and the production, and maybe a chance to sort of put his own take on it. I mean, this man did the Taylor of Panama. He he can do morally grey. He can do he can do quite cold. He can mm. do quite psychopathic in ways. He can do all that, and and but they just wanted this greatest hits Bond who did the quips and his hair didn't move. And I think that's a real shame. No, I think that's this is like my favourite scene in the in the whole film. I know you've always weird. loved this scene, haven't you? I love it. I love it. I love it. it. It's when his uh, tires inflate now in the green. There you go. Hey, he just kissed goodbye to his dead girlfriend 30 seconds ago, but he's having a laugh now. But he's right. Same with this remote control car. I know, it's, it's just everything about it. Typical, but it's ridiculous. It's really silly. It's something you probably couldn't do today. Um, yeah, but you've always liked the ridiculousness in Bond. I well, don't. it is. Well, that's, that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's the escapism. It's well, the sort of no, that's not true. I do like it because I like most of the Bond films, and it must be an element of this. Otherwise, I'd only like Bourne or something. Well, exactly. Clearly, yeah, I like all this. But this... to be fair, it is, it is all about you know the escapism yeah. as well, the exoticism yeah. of it. But, yeah, and I, I certainly think by the end of Craig's run, I was feeling sorry for him. Well, exactly. It's like well, I didn't we want that either. Simon today is basically like too emotional. I think that's kind of what's missing. Is like Bond is, is essentially like a sort of fantasy. Yeah, fantasy but Casino series. Royale has it right because everyone says what a dower. Yeah, that's, it that's made a good me balance. Loads. Have, Perfect. You know, kind of Simon's argument was basically it hasn't it hasn't kind of reached those dizzying heights mm. ever since. It's kind of been like an almost like a downward trajectory because like Craig is almost too emotional. Definitely. Casino but Royale for, for is where series, I want it to be. Sorry to talk all over you, Dave. Yeah, I'm but, doing um, it yeah, as well. You do that to me often enough. But basically. Yeah, yeah. His point, his point is basically that it's kind of like it's, it's a fantasy series, um, but you know, Craig's like basically too, um, too emotional. It kind of really, cause just really affects the series going forward. So I kind of wonder if they're going to have to go back to that more kind of adventure, um, and have you know, not, not really out, out there, quite really scenes like this, for example. It's something that they, they wouldn't be able to do it today. You certainly wouldn't see it in the, in, you know, in the Craig series at all. It's not but, binary um, though. Everyone thinks well, you, you don't have to have die another day. Or fucking the, the license to kill. No, you have that. You can have the in between, which is why you know things like Cinema were so successful because it does it does kind of blend those sort of classic elements yeah. with something that's more grounded and, and more serious and going forward as well. And it kind of really starts off that arc um, for Craig of kind of certainly being more more emotional, more kind of, you know, being more grounded. And, and that's less where I want Bond to sit. That's yeah. roughly. I I don't want so it sitting. I don't want it sitting. Look, you tits, and the any funny kiss off line you can think of, even if it doesn't work. <laughs> 
going. They let them I happen a lot more organically in Casino Royale, and they worked. Because everyone says, oh, it's that. It's because he wasn't quipping every two seconds. But I laughed about five or six times in that film. I've never laughed at five or six times at one of his films. So. He, yeah, he, they, they are pretty much, they're quite dry. He looks, good in, he looks good in the outfit. Oh, wow, his covers. When Roger wore his outfit, his tie was slightly skew with, and it puts me off every time. His tie's done properly. I wish he'd um, I wish he'd borrowed a gun and shot Wade in the fucking head right now. <laughs> he, he's oh, what's wrong with Wade? What's wrong with Wade? Too loud, too brash, not funny. <laughs> he's a bit um, he's a bit unnecessary in this film. He should be locked away with fucking Boris. <laughs> Good old Boris. He was just about okay. He was just about okay in Goldeneye. But here, look at it. Look at it. Look how he's dressed. <laughs> in a minute, you're going to get a joke and, about and his well, second marriage. Well, do you think they're going marriage? for like, a, a, like a, this is the Felix Leiter of... Yeah, you do, I, I think... I, I, do, I do quite like the character of Wade, uh, but I kind of feel like Goldeneye was kind of like one and done. Yeah, um, he's a clown here. Not, not, not really necessary here. And um, yeah, I just... I, I think, you know, they, mm. they should have got a Felix, but, but they didn't. Wasn't this guy in a Bourne film? Yeah. Wasn't this guy in a Bourne film? Yeah, he was in the Bourne film. I did saw. say to you, it's the one he was talking to on the boat with the encoder. Yeah, I did I did tell that, and then I said it was Colin Simpson from Tomorrow Never Dies. Cool. The, um, Sorry, folks, it seems like I'm being quite um, combative tonight, but I'm really not. No, it's all right. I'm just the, trying to stick up for, you know, maybe the, a movie we'll get. The, and the chap here is in Aliens as well. He's the... Um, He's the commander in Aliens. He is the commander. No, Becca, have either of us taken any effect offence at each other tonight at all? No. Don't worry about it then. I'm just sticking up for this film. Yeah. That's all right. <laughs> and to be fair, I think extremes are what make opinions. And I'm not... I you, say, you are the balance, I'm Dave. Not, the balance. I'm, not, um, I'm not dressing it... I'm not lying about my opinion, but I'm probably vo- voicing it vociferously for the sake of the show and everything. I do not hate Pierce Brosnan's Bond, but I do think he's the weakest James Bond. But he's weak in a series I love most of. And I don't think he's often the problem. I think Chris is right. Most of it's the scripts. And pairing him with clowns like this guy. I mean, I was about to say, during the credits, Chris was talking, so I I didn't... No, one of you were talking, and I didn't want to interrupt, because I do it all the time. And um, it had gone, but Lindy Hemmings' names came up. And I was—I would have said at the time I miss Lindy Hemmings being in this series because she costumes them so well. Now I'm looking at Wade's hat and wondering about the wisdom of that statement. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's so much. Well, it? I think he's meant to be loud. He's meant to be brash. Well, he's he's basically really... Sheriff Steve Pepper, though, isn't he? That's, well, that, he that's, is. that's, that's what he is. I don't like. I don't like. I don't like when you put an American character in and make it the loudest fucking brashest stereotype of an American because yeah, I think bit, it, yeah. it's insulting to them and it does not fit with the Bond series. No, I mean, in that scene, you know, you've already got American character in terms of Colin Stinson. Um, but, 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 I mean, Joe Don is he's brilliant. Obviously, he's... Um, oh, he's been he's magnificent in a lot of well. things. Yeah. And he's a great actor. But and I didn't like, mind which You don't really need him in this film. I don't mind him, but I just you didn't need him. No, you don't. And the thing is, um, I I think I've been a bit harsh on Whitaker before, in that the character's a little bit incoherent and a bit annoying. But actually, the way he pay, plays him is perfect. 
You know, I, so, I sort of thought he's kind of more. He's not a bad actor by any. I means. mean, you, you got Necross in terms of the henchman, but he's also kind of like an unusual henchman as well in terms of having. Um, I've forgotten his name. Koskov. <laughs> yeah. Oh crap. As as the villain. Do you, um, do you know he's 86 now? Oh my god. Yeah, time flies. Frightening, isn't it? And that scene previously where the diver goes down to the wreckage, that's also a CGI composite scene. Um, but it's really cleverly done that you can't tell, and especially for 90s as well. I, I think that's because 90s CG it, was not good, was it? So that that's impressive. No, it's not until um, until I watched the extras on, on the DVD when it came out years ago. Yeah. Um, I, my mind was blown away by that fact. I was like, oh. I will have seen all those extras, but I just don't remember and them back then. And it holds up. It yeah, it holds does. Up. This was the first Bond film. I, I think I would say that because the John Glenn era, and I'm quite a defender of John Glenn because I really like three of his films, but they were starting to look a little bit cheap and tired in places. And then Goldeneye came out, and, and as great as Derek Meddings was, and he was, you could tell they didn't have quite enough budget to make it as lavish as they would like. This is the first Bond film to me that felt properly expensive. Since, like, the 60s, when they were really spunking money on them for the mm. era. It was the first modern Bond film where I thought, right, they're confident this series works now and they're going to put money to it. Mm. But always, in terms of, like, the effects and everything, obviously, because Meddings was a genius, I kind of won't hear anything else spoken. Um, no, I'm saying I can tell miniatures are miniatures and you can't well, yeah, always... That's, it. I mean, it was, that's it, not it, him, it, though, it, that's it the compositing. No, it should be the point where, like, you, when you can tell it's CGI, then, yeah. I mean... If it's a big effect, then that, you know that's fine. But if you can kind of tell, if you can see the join, then perhaps I think it was the they haven't I, quite done their job. No, I think it was the lighting and compositing. It wasn't Derek mm. Meddings' work because I've seen his miniature works elsewhere, and it's brilliant. No. Like for example, I, this is sound really stupid, mm. um, but I, I was showing some photos recently from um, somebody who works in the industry. Um, some behind-the-scenes photos from Dine of the Day, and there's a, there's a scene where I think it's probably just before. The awful CGI scene. Yeah. Harry Berry does the backflip off the cliff. Yeah, that's um, bad. There's, yeah. there's a shot from. Um, I think it's probably just before they go before they go to the island, um, and it's kind of a scene from from sea level looking up up to the the sort of the the, the castle that is the clinic, I guess, on the island. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm describing it really poorly. Um, no, I know what I'll, you mean. I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to share the photos on our little chat group that we have. Obviously, okay. this doesn't. Um, doesn't really apply to listeners so much. Can I clarify part. with you then? Do you but mean all... that he headed, he went to head off to the island where Halle Berry is already, and yep. there is a shot that isn't in the film looking up at that building because it is raised up. Is that what you're it saying? It is, and it's a model shot, and I never knew that before. Right. And I was, my mind was completely blown once again because um, I, I assumed it was um, like a, <laughs> a really bad matte painting, or. Um, it was, you know, it was um, just a, a shot from from really low down of, you know, an actual lo- an actual location. Um, I thought it was a real location. It, yeah, my friend was like, oh no, this is, you know, obviously not Meddings because Meddings passed away. I, uh, I thought it was a, yeah, um, no, yeah, he had I, cancer. I was like, it's a model shot. That's incredible, you know. The only thing that led me to deduce it might be a model because I thought it was real. But yeah. but he blows out the wall, doesn't he, from inside? Yeah, that's true. And the yeah, wall looks true. made of bloody cardboard. So that I thought it might. Mo- pa- yeah, I said shot. either that's a set or the whole thing was a model and that's a set. Guys, um, just so I've just watched this underwater scene, which is also a very much of a, a Bond, um, trope. Yeah. Um, thing, like uh, investigating like a, a wreckage. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, 
the, the scene where they actually like escape and like and they have to go like escape through like this like pipe which would be quite claustrophobic while underwater without breathing equipment i thought this scene is rather rushed because that could have been a really tense scene yeah. like really claustrophobic really like oh my god i, I could i could barely watch this kind of thing so it's a bit yeah. of the opposite problem from for your eyes only which i love but they go underwater and they do five minutes work in about 20 minutes no but it's not that it's just like this scene feels a bit that like they could have do you think they should have ramped up some tension yeah i think there's a missed opportunity there but it just seems to be like kind of like oh let's get it moving on moving on to the next bit i just thought it's a bit of a you know missed opportunity for like a really tense scene yeah no i would absolutely agree with that and i've never thought about it i've never thought about it actually but you're absolutely right they put all the tension here and there wasn't Mm, necessarily a need particularly as they're going to have a confrontation with the villain Mm. later again um i've uh, admittedly they have to meet him meet him but yeah i i i will make one point though and this is good natured but becca's here as the staunch defender of this film she ranked it about 19th i ranked it quite highly at the time no you didn't it might you, change now you you ranked it about 19th you didn't really put it that high at all but um no i i, I would go along with that actually i don't think there's I think if you're going to put people underwater with artificial breathing equipment, it, it actually some peril about how whether that equipment lasts, works, stay with you, whether you're going to be caught if you're in some, mm. uh, you know, foreign location would make some sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, because you have to like, cla- you have to like, oh shit, we can't fit through this pipe uh, mm. with the breathing apparatus, so we have to like just swim through it to get straight to the top. Yeah. And it's like quite a narrow pipe. You're thinking like, geez, you know, are they actually going to be able to fit through? Is it going to narrow or what? You know, yeah. it's, it was kind of like a risk. They could drown, you know, and mm. uh, and that's when they get out. And then obviously you have to get to the the the, yeah. you know, the, the surface as well after that. So it's They've got a very like... decent picture of Brosnan there for the headline as well. Would you yeah, be he's fo- good, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, I was about to question it, and I'd be wrong to question it. Bond's obituary being newspaper has been a thing in Fleming, so I can't question it. I will say, Elliot Carver's wearing... Um, he's quite wrapped up for somewhere that seems to be quite a hot climate. Probably, well, you know what it's like when you go to the cinema in, like, the summer, and you wear fuck all, because it's, well, not literally fuck all, I don't go nude. But I was going to say, Dave. You dress down a bit, because it's hot, and then you get into the cinema, and the aircon so high, you sit yeah. there with stiff nipples for two hours. <laughs> well, um, I think well, that, own, I know. think that, well, my own stiff nipples, I don't buy some at the foyer or something. <laughs> um, I, it could be that, yeah, it's, because it's in sort of a tropical, almost subtropical climate, mm-hmm. um, it could be the air conditioning's on too high. Yeah, I'm, I've, I've got the um, the controversial opinion that I actually quite like uh, I like Carver. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, the, that's two of you, to be fair. I'm the only one who doesn't. No, well, I mean, I remember it being like at the time, like kind of like, yeah, he's he's, he's, he's a crap villain. That this was like the reviews at the time they were saying it, mm. like, oh, um, um, Jonathan Price, great actor, but just a poor villain. Yeah, um, great actor, not great in this. I'll, I'll always have that no. opinion because I've seen the film um, dozens of times, but. I and my reckon... dad thought the same as well. He said, oh, the bill, well, I'll, I'll say so. two things sort of in his defence. The first one would be he's not campy, so he's not like the Charles Grey Blofeld. Mm. And the second thing I'll say is what I said earlier on. All of the sort of larger-than-life villains are Marmite. So, you know, a, a lot, particularly if they've got the outlandish plan. I mean, there's people out there who think Drax is boring. 
you know, there's people out there who love Charles Gray because it's like really over the top and dramatic. A lot of people like Donald Pleasance. You know, I, I, I don't have an issue that people like him. I don't think he's objectively bad. I think he's subjectively bad in that he's making a load of choices I don't like. But I, don't, I can't sit here and say it's a terrible performance. I can just say it's one I don't really like that much. It is a great performance, but I kind of think he has the same problem as Bros. It's just obviously with the script and everything and the, and the plot, mm. you know, his, his, his kind of his machinations and um, his, sort of, his sort of kind of motivations for, you know, he basically wants broadcasting rights in China for the next 100 years. Um, he got a dagger to the bum there, didn't he? But, um, but <laughs> I just kind of feel like his, his kind of his plot and um, his kind of villainous story is, is not really that memorable it's a little bit kind of I mean it's, it's very interesting now especially in the era of, of sort of fake news mm. um, and now obviously his divisions would be kind of social media it would be sort of TV newspapers radio it, it probably kind of, still you know, would be but yes they, there would be all of those things yeah so, so. In, in terms of like him being sort of media mogul like now it is still even though it's 25 whatever years on it's still very relevant today yeah um, which is you know it shows that sometimes the bond writers can be ahead of the curve um it could be that like you know things, some things never change like no you exactly know, th- th- these things were like true then and they're still true now it's just yeah i mean if you think of the tabloid wars i mean we still have far too much intrusion into people's lives yeah, we but do. there was a circulation war in this country from the, have, the late when, 80s on. When was all phone hacking? Was that kind of like 90s, early 2000s? Well, just just a, the kind of brief history, if you like. If you look back to how public figures were treated maybe 30, 30 to 35 years ago, the newspapers were fighting each other for circulation. So, for example, if you had an unsuccessful England football team manager like Graham Taylor was, they were ever more nasty and they were fighting each other to be as vitriolic as possible. And then once mobile phones come, it came in, they learned how to hack them. And I'm not going to go into the stories tonight because there's a particularly sad one about a murdered girl where their hacking gave the family hope she was still alive. And I won't go into how. It's not that it's grim. It's that, you know, you don't really need the details. But the lack of ethics was phenomenal. But it was also in the 80s that, like, Reagan reversed the whole thing about neutrality in the press. And Mm. that paved the way for things like Fox News, Fox News to come on. And all of these things are for in whichever direction of pub of of sort of poisoned the public discourse and the same thing is true now but it's not true now in that the the paper circulation war is not quite the same but of course you've got very toxic social media and bullying that way yeah that's pretty bad and a very polarized certainly uh visual media visual and audio media very very polarized um, so yeah I think Chris is right it's it just the more things change the more they stay the same but I, th- I think you can date it from I don't know the 80s probably onwards people older than me will may yeah. say before that but I just remember the intrusions into people's lives I mean I'll never forget now you may not this is not necessarily the worst example I could think of A because why would I want to come out with the worst example I'd probably upset Becca but, you know, I don't want to say anything too nasty, but I can think of an example where we're, t- we're, we're looking at the Bond series here. Rory Kinnear, the current Tanner. Now, he was born, I think, in 1978. Well, his father died in 1989. Roy Kinnear, famous comedy actor. Uh, and he was on the set of The Four Musketeers in 
or the return of the four musketeers or whatever it was called um, in 1989 and he was thrown from a horse and killed and the, they, the paparazzi sent uh, cameras to sort of hide in bushes and film him at the funeral so you had this 10 year old boy stood there breaking his heart on the front page of newspapers and that was Rory Kinnear the current tanner I thought that was disgusting yeah it's not great is it there was no concept of privacy and there's been some legislation over the years about how you can use telephoto lenses and stuff but people were being photographed in their own rooms they you know they'd forgotten to close a curtain some may have quote unquote forgotten but in a lot of cases it was just people being photographed in private locations and stories made up about them i mean i remember for years all the sort of um commentary about George Michael's sexuality now in the in the end he ended up outing himself in quite an inadvertently hilarious way but like in the years before that happened we would understand now that that's nobody's business but back then it was like fair game that's the same thing like with um, with various footballers or like sports figures coming out isn't it the same thing is intensely private but now yeah. everything's in the public eye um yeah, you know, it kind of just makes it kind of as if you, you know, if you don't declare it, then. But I don't think that's as wrong. bad as it used to be. I don't think I, that. No, no, it's, I kind it's, of, I kind of think now, these but. kind of things create the generate the, the the culture that's in it. So it kind of, I, I, I think as a baseline, people actually don't give a shit about that kind of stuff. It's like oh, no. oh it's whatever, but because it gets sensationalised, mm. exactly. That it, 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 you know, and it's in all the press mm. or you know whatever it is so just like you know mm. it, it 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 kind of manipulates the the public into becoming like a, a cultural thing yeah i know it but, we're, but, but we're, it's kind of like it's almost but, like the, you know the, the heat wave like the hot weather that we've had recently people, it's like people uh, has been really bad no they a frenzy yeah but you compare it to like like uh, a time where we had like similar or same temperatures it's just like oh it's just it's the weather yeah. But like, but here they decorate it as big, like you know, red, like you know, the earth is burning, mm-hmm. kind of. Thing. I mean, like, it is because record. It, it, it is because records are being broken. Yeah, I, I can defend thing, the but... angle, but the tone of it, you would think we've never had heat waves before. Yeah. No. But having it. said that, my mum was pregnant with me in that major heat wave, and the the temperature peaked at thirty five point nine. Oh, bless it! Oh my gosh. So, uh, but but there was a drought, so she they had to go to standpipes in the street, and water was rationed. It was a horrible, horrible time. And what was worse about it is how long it lasted. So it was a You're very not long. Heat wave. But yeah, we never hit. We've never hit for nearly forty one degrees. We've we've no. never done that. The, and that yeah, we, yeah, it was forty two, wasn't it? That was like the highest it's ever been, yeah. certainly for this country. Since the seventies. No, but it's like five degrees hev- higher than it was in the seventies. Yeah, That's the ever, point. ever, exactly. Yeah. Well, yeah, so it, the it, 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 it rained pretty much straight after. It's only like a couple of days, wasn't it? No, but it, it did, did only yeah. last a couple of days. But if you look at the highest, I mean, they've got records on uh, accurate records on heat that mm-hmm. runs back decades now, and like something like eight of the hottest ten ever are the last decade. <laughs> the last decade. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> yeah, the, it's yeah. not. It's not that they don't have a point at all. But of course, I mean, it's just the way they I've, had fr- I've had friends in other countries that find it hilarious, you know, even on a year where the angle isn't climate change, when they just so Britain set for a scorcher and it's front page news. And you like you and send, you send someone in Florida a screenshot of it and they just go fucking hell, really? No, we were in this sort of um, as a Instagram book club that I'm a part of um, reading Fleming and now we're reading kind of Bond inspired um, mm. nonfiction books. Um, yeah. 
and yeah, we talk about just you know how how it's really hot in England at the moment, um, and sort of people you know they're, they're all, all across the states really, sort of Washington, California, um, everywhere in between. Um, I'm talking about obviously all the the wildfires and um, yeah. and the forest fires that you know they've had, especially in California, the last couple mm. of last couple of years. We've had a lot of those there. Though. Yeah, we've yeah, especially well here on Salisbury Plain as well. Um, over over the last few weeks, um, sort of a couple of mornings, where, like the, the town where I live, has just been like, as if somebody has a bonfire next door, sort of thing, like really quite smoggy, quite smoky. Yeah. Um, and over the weekend, um, it's, it's on BBC News today. Um, Why did they put a naked common? child in the shot here? I've never noticed that before. Yeah, naked child. <laughs> And well, I, I never noticed it until you said it. <laughs> well, I just, I, well, I looked at my screen because I've got a computer on my lap and the thing on the TV, right? So my screen, my eyes panned up from the computer to the screen and straight onto a baby's ass. <laughs> it was the first. It was the first time I'd ever looked at that portion of the screen during this sequence. Sorry, yeah, it's been incredibly hot, and I don't think where I live's been the worst of it, actually. It's been up and down, but like recently, was it sort of this weekend? You had like huge cloud cover, so it was like 20 degrees in the north and top half of the country, and then down here. I was out walking the dog in the rain today, 18 degrees, perfectly fine, but you know. Oh, that's good. Well, that was the thing. Yeah, well, I, I was able to take her out late in an evening most days. There was one day where it just didn't get cool enough, it was still 27, and I'm not taking her out in that. Take her out at 10 o'clock at night. Um. I don't know. I, I remember reading "Don't take them out over 22 degrees," but I thought, how does that work in hot countries? Maybe that's based on the fact our dogs acclimatise as well. I would have thought there would be some truth to that. Well, generally, if, if it's too hot in the time like for your barefoot, you know, it's obviously too hot. No, I understand that, but I'm talking about service. So, serve, no, that 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 that's the obvious one that you you got yeah, to put your hand down. Yeah, obviously do it kind of really early. But what I mean is, the, if the floor surface is is comfortable but the air temperature is still 24, 25. Yeah, I've read that up. that can still be bad for them. Yeah. But I'm thinking there's countries where it's hardly ever below that, but I'm assuming in those countries, the dogs acclimatise as yeah, well. Yeah, a bit more acclimatise. And obviously yeah. you, you might get a high proportion of, of stray animals as well, so you don't... It's, it, yeah, it's different. But whereas like over here, cause it's, it's something that we rarely see. So, hmm. But I think it's just a, rule, yeah, a general rule as, as per any. So advice will be different in obviously different parts of the country, so... I'm delighted Michelle Yeoh's having an Indian summer as well. She's aging terrifically well. She's kept herself in terrific shape. She's obviously got a, a recurring role in Star Trek where, she, where she plays quite a dark character. Uh, I'm, um, I, I'm controversial. I wasn't too big on that film. I didn't like it. Oh, I, it's not that common. I really loved it. But I, I think I loved, I, well, I loved her and, 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 and here's the reason why. It's aptly titled. It's just a bit too everything everywhere all at once at you it's just like and this is a bit too much you're throwing at me yeah it's and I just couldn't all, really i thought it was absolutely over the sh- all over the place and going aren't, aren't we a bit wacky it. but it didn't have the tone of a comedy so it wasn't quite sure what it was trying to do i i love films that that swing for the fences though and i, and I know the multiverse is now not a new thing because it's been in comics for years and obviously mm. marvel and dc are doing their versions to see it in a in, in a non-superhero context and to take it in weird and wacky places, I, I like. I, I admired its balls. It's a film I was glad was made, and have every respect for it, and totally see why it's got like ninety five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. I just didn't. It didn't vibe with me. Yeah. I do wonder if I'm heading into a depression because I'm reviewing a lot of things badly lately. 
And I don't know if that's the I don't know if that's films or me because I gave Thor a kicking and I gave fucking Spider Man a thick kicking and mind you I, d- I did review a film that's going out in the next couple of days called The Outfit with Mark Rylance that I was really kind to so I am at least still enjoying some things but I'm, I'm just wondering if I'm becoming I, a grumpy old man. I think I would man. say, Dave, are you enjoying doing them though? That's that's the difference. Like I, I would watch and I would watch a bad film and and talk about how I dislike or, or or pick it apart, whatever. But I enjoy doing, you know, I, I, my time is still, I, I enjoy doing it. Do you I, know what I mean? I no, right. It depends what you mean by it. doing. If you mean watching, I, um, I'm enjoying that still. I mean, I'm not setting out to watch bad films, but I find a certain poetry in them. And sometimes it's not that it's bad, because Everything Everywhere All at Once is not by any measure a poor film. It's a very impressive film. It's just a film I didn't get on with. But the idea that I would sit and discuss that, I don't think I was paying enough attention either, because I watched it on a rip. So that film needs a rewatch from me, without any question before I say anything on it definitively. But... um, the idea that I would sit and discuss it with someone does interest me. So I'm enjoying that. I'm still enjoying podcasting. I must say I might be on the verge of a set the tape break because I'm, I'm getting bored with writing now. And the, and the thing is, the site is now, although there's plenty of people working for it in their 40s, I feel like I'm skewing towards the older end of it now. And not only am I skewing towards the older end of it, it it's quite a... It's quite a right on site. I don't want to interrupt you, Dave, but like, just how much does this, just how much it cost, and like, to set this up for like. Uh, I I want to work from home. (laughs) What do you need? A laptop? Well, no. What I need is. So, 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 so this is like a permanent base, and if. (laughs) Probably, but you can get in from anywhere. It's really easy to get into. I mean, this will be like what for two or three people. Like two or three. I mean, I mean, come on, it's hardly just big base. It doesn't need all this kit, does it? Is it Ghost Protocol where they all, where they sort of go rogue? They had less weapons on that fucking train or whatever it was. At least that made sense because that was a train. That made a bit more sense. Yeah. No, but there were fewer weapons on that than there are here. Yeah. So two or three people. There was four or five of them, and they had less. No, but um, writing, I, I just find the sen- the sensibility of the site is starting to... I, I'm starting to feel like an odd one out. Mm. And I'm a very liberal guy. You know I am. I skew a little bit left in politics. We're not going to go into politics now, but I do. Um, I'm very tolerant of everybody. You know what I mean? But if, if, you, if you follow that site in any way, it, it's just moving away from me. And I watched Miss um, Marvel recently, and I was going to review that. Now... If I'd written for almost any other site, I think I'd have finished the series and just written my shitty review of its bollocks, right? Yeah. But because of the site I'm working for and the mix of people on it, I just thought I have to be aware now that I'm a middle-aged white man and I don't think it's aimed at me. So I handed it back and let someone else do it. Because I don't think... I think what I'm trying to say is I don't not fit the site. They've got a lot... They've got all the same values as me. But there's a lot of different demographics on it that I am not representative of now. And I think I'm in I'm on the verge of becoming quite an outlier. And what that would leave me doing is only the things I'm specialist in. So I would still write about Bond if anything came up. And I would still write about like 
you know blu-ray releases you know the sort of masters of cinema type stuff because i've i've developed a niche of like historic cinema and stuff i think i would still do that but when when something comes out starring a 16 year old muslim girl i don't know that i'm the most representative person on the site to write about that does that make sense um yeah, but no. I mean, I, I I disagree with the the logic, but I understand that's a that's that's, that's a feeling. It's me that's thinking good. of them more than thinking of myself. Yeah, because yeah, if I, yeah, I, I am perfectly yeah, I qualified to write a balanced review that would reflect something that isn't possibly aimed at me, but these demographics might like it. What it's, made it worse though was I was struggling even to see that. I hated the show. I thought it was terrible. And yeah. the thing is, because I've, I haven't liked much of Phase 4 full stop, I've, I've thought it's been largely terrible. I think Marvel have jumped the shark something terribly, right? And the problem is now, it's me whinging... A, well, I, I gave Doctor Strange a pretty good review, but I think half of that was I was overcompensating because it was half decent. I thought I'd better say something nice about one of these. So I'm starting to second-guess myself now. But also, it's me whinging about marvel in a sort of middle-aged white guy way every two months now and i don't think that's a good look when it coincides with a series that has become notably more diverse it looks like i'm whining about that and i'm actually not i'm perfectly no no happy. no, no. It, the, the thing is that I, that's, a, that's that's a bit of a red herring really like. no but i think it could look bad yeah. Do you yeah, see what I, I mean? I think I just think it, I just think hand it to a younger woman or like we've you know uh, people of different sex, uh, um, uh, sexual identities on the site even and if they don't like it then at least that might carry a little bit more weight. Weight. Yeah. Cuz I'm now of that demographic where people would go well of course he don't like it ain't fucking aimed at him is it? Yeah, uh, which which to me is just like a daft I mean, it it depends really. It depends on what your criticisms are. I I, I would look no, but like... it's the site I'm writing for. Yeah. Look at the yeah. mix of people on the site. Becca knows what I'm talking about. They're wonderful people. I love them. I've really enjoyed working for the site. But I'm I'm starting to feel like I'm an outlier. And there's a couple like me. Like there's Lee who writes for the site who's about my age. He might be a year older, but he writes about like cheesy old british tv and doctor who and stuff and it's like well it's easier to do that when it's a niche interest mm. just like i could write about bond for them forever but i just think when i'm writing about some marvel film which probably isn't aimed at my demographic it, yeah. features a load I mean, of strong females makes one of it, the main characters it, bisexual and another gay and i just think like am i the right is it the right look for the site to have it in my hands critiquing it um I even mean, though i have not one single issue with any of those things yeah um although sometimes yeah, i feel yeah. like they're trying too hard i yeah i i i mean it depends like a day you just write what you want to think about what, what i could say it could just be as well hmm. but you, you know because it's just like not really interesting you yeah like the like, talking about talking about like the you know phase four or i am getting whatever. i am getting i'll do it on a podcast so it's like, it's like oh like i'd rather you know i'd rather i'd rather not, not i'd rather sort of write about something like that yeah just give, just give just give just give me some old westerns from the 50s and i'll give it a look because i'm learning more about cinema 
as I'm or, doing yeah, it. Or, or just whatever piques your interest. So it's like yeah. if you so like maybe approach it if you were like had if you do do a blog. I think I think what I'm saying I'm is like, well, I I, because I'm not liking a lot of stuff recently. I've either got to take a break because something's going on with my mental health. I don't think it's that. I think it's more likely I've just seen a load of stuff that isn't really aimed at me anymore. Or I need to find my lane and I'm currently in the wrong lane. You know, from phases one to three of Marvel, it was all suiting me perfectly. Ethnicity, sexuality and sexual identities in these things are are completely coincidental. It's the fact that they finish with Avengers Endgame and they're now on a massive come down that's filled with excessive amounts of content that isn't very good and isn't very well connected. Hmm. But I just think it's the wrong look for a site that presents itself a certain way. It does a lot of content during Pride Week and things like that. And then you've got a middle-aged white man whining about Marvel. And I just think, like, let someone else praise it or yeah. whine about it. I'm not. It's not a good look for them is what I mean. I know my own head and heart, you know? Yeah. But um, anyway, we're about. Sorry, we cut Becca right out of that. Be- Becca, shoot him up. Bond coming. <laughs> Did you do Basil? Yes, yeah. yeah, so this is where like you know the John Woo kind of elements start creeping in. Yeah. No, well, I, the... I kind of see. I kind of see your argument a little bit, David. It's, it's do you see what I'm of... saying and why yeah, it's I, I not a reflection of, yeah, I kind on of me? Can um. You know the it's site. Kind of, You've I mean, written for I it. didn't. Um, well, to be honest. Um. I mean, I, I did sort of used to write for Set the Tape a little bit, but now I, I can just about make a bit of free time for this, but otherwise it is mm. it is a little bit at a premium at the moment. Yeah. Um, I sort of have to pick and choose, really. Um, I would like to I, I would like to do a blog of my own, um, but then if I do that, I might as well write for an outlet or something, for example, I, I don't know, and then you get into the, down the rabbit hole, of like, do you monetize it, do you not? How do you do that, blah, 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 blah. Mm. Anyway. Um, and, and here's uh, Joe Price's finest moment in the film. Yes. This is it. When he says pathetic, I always think that's like a comment on what he's just done. Yeah, I kind of feel like that. I, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you guys a little bit. I do love John Price as as the villain. I think you know he's great. He does hammer up. Um, I read him highly as an actor. I've luckily seen him on, on the stage at the Shakespeare play um, in Shylock. It's fantastic. Um, and what was he recently, recently that I saw him in? The two was, popes. It is, it is brilliant. Did you see him in The Two Popes with A hey, Pope, yeah, hey, Pope Benedict? <laughs> yeah, well. yeah but he channeled Pope Francis. It was just an incredible visual. It was an amazing impression, wasn't it? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, he's very good in what he does. But I think here he kind of he, he does hammer up. But I kind of feel like Carver is a bit of a kind of forgettable villain. Um, motive's a little bit questionable. Um, all, yeah, all he wants is broadcasting rights in China. Um, he goes to quite extreme lengths to get it. It occurred to me while watching this, and I think one of the reasons why um, it doesn't take it, and I don't think anyone's actually ever said this before, um, but I think it's like his uh, wardrobe is off, like his his hairstyle, like you know, I I I think if he was presented a bit differently, you know, I think that's that that says actually says a lot. No, that does add to a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's, he's a bit bland, doesn't he? he sort of wears yeah, the exactly. Through. Well, the haircut, I think he could be presenting BBC Breakfast or something. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me, who is that? Um, the football coach. You know what I mean? Not, they they, 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 they could have gone full on bold. They could have gone full on bold, you know what I mean? 90s, do you mean... Well, it, it, uh, it, no, it's early 2000s. Do so, you mean um, Sven? Yeah, it just reminds me a little bit of Sven. 
know why. But I think as a Bond, he's kind of he's more like in the Drax Blofeld kind of style, a mm-hmm. Bond villain wearing the sort of the narrow jacket style. For anyone know, listening, it, sorry, for anyone listening not from this country, look I, don't, up, I don't know about football. Look up Sven Joran Eriksson. Look at a picture of him, and just just know there's hope for any of you because that man got industrial amounts of women. <laughs> <laughs> Well, oh. he was married to like the yeah, beautiful Italian. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's reality. We're talking about like you know, movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, he was an in international football, so of course that's going to be like babe magnet. But yeah, no, he's a bit. Of, I would agree with you, Chris. He's a bit of a kind of bland, that's bland a bond villain. But yeah, John Price is fabulous. Um, I think yeah, everyone's kind of really on on fire in this film. Um, Michelle Yeoh is even though she has to be rescued, even though she has to be saved, and the um, romantic aspect is shoehorned in a little bit. Yeah. Um, she kicks ass, and you know she's still like. You know, one of the kind of like the strong. I love you. I love Michelle Yeoh, and I love her in this. the series. Just, just doesn't um, work. I think had, had we not, had we not had her or, or figures like her as well, you perhaps we wouldn't have had like characters like Nomi um, or Paloma in No Time to Die, for example. Um, and I think that's kind of one of the few films where Bond sadly doesn't get the girl. And yet, um, which is I can't really touch her. I'm diseased. I can't do it. Can't do it. Um, there you go. I always want oh, someone. Doesn't rescue, doesn't, you know, doesn't rescue the girl. Like, I would love. Sorry, he, got... he, he's not the one to to, um, to save Madeline um, or, or or Matilda. Um, no, he uh, does it. He, do, he doesn't save. Can I just um, say one thing, Becca, before it disappears? When he just pointed the gun up and fired. Magic then, button, magic I've always wanted someone to like Photoshop it or like whatever, so it's a can of raid he sprays up. Yeah, let's do it now. Because that's how the gunplay plays on this boat. He's just randomly a, going, oh, there's a bee's nest just, there, course, yeah, and there's some wasps like over there. It looks really shit. Listeners, if you're listening, if you can work that, work your magic, please Photoshop. Photoshop a can of Raid into, like, Brosnan gunplay. <laughs> Let us know. Because he's like, oh, yeah, there's a, there's a wasp there. There's a bee over there. There's yeah, a there, there. There. I, 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 I cut you off before when you were talking about, like, you know, blogging. I don't know if you... She was talking about me writing for set the tape. And oh, yeah, 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 no, I could, yeah, I kind of see what you mean. It was like, yeah, I was sort of doing the same as I was like, well, if, you know, if it's a film, so I was working for, for Mario years ago, like over yeah, a decade yeah. now. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry to say I don't even follow the site anymore since it got bought by, by another really bland looking blog. It did, had, yeah. Which is terrible. But in its heyday, it was fab um, and we all enjoyed it. <laughs> but yeah, um, uh, they repurposed all the articles without crediting people. It was an update. It was an adaptation of, of, of a Shakespeare play, yeah. um, set in like Afghanistan or something like that. And so it was kind of it was. I think it was like gender flipped. It was a different culture. Mm. Um, but I kind of felt a little bit like I'm, you know, I'm a Shakespeare fan, English literature student. You know, can appreciate all these things. But you know, I'm not that demographic. You know, I'm, I'm a sort of white, you know, white woman. White woman's Instagram. Um, and it's like, do I feel qualified to to write about this? I don't um, think it's being qualified in my case. It's not just, you know, there are other, you know, white male critics, um, you know, what we like critics who, you know, who, who are still critiquing these sort of films and you have to take a lot of these things into account. Um, you can hold your hand up and say that, you know, I'm not the demographic, but I'm going to treat this, you know, as, as fairly and, and squarely as, as I can um, and say that, you know, do you have, we do have certain biases. We claim not to have any prejudice, but not you personally, but people in general, but you do. Um, no, I try and paint my biases over what I write so people know. Well, this, you know, you, you, as, a, as a review, I do 
Set the tape have a, has a really really good you know has a really good team. There's you know a range of ages, a range of backgrounds, mm. um, a whole range of demographics precisely so they can cover this material. You can have somebody who does write about classic TV, Doctor Who, mm. things like that. Um, but then also you know when when they when they do come to write about either new series, they're shooting out as um, as a Doctor. You know that I'm sure they're still going to review it even though it's somebody completely different to to themselves. Um, just, just because I'm a woman doesn't mean I'm unique. No, they've never, they've never stopped like me reviewing Judy's anything. Jodie Whittaker. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just uh, realising I'm putting in the several Marvel, you know, review in a row that's not very good and handing one back because I just don't feel the right person to do it. I would have done it. The fact it was like a 16-year-old female Muslim oh, me wasn't the issue. But as I went through it... You are generally the, the Marvel go-to guy. I am. Um, well, I was the cinema go-to guy before COVID. That's what ha- I started writing for the site and because I was going to the cinema so much, I was doing all the big releases. So it used to be everyone else was doing TV and the road to type articles and it would tee me up. It would tee up my review coming on Monday sort of thing. It would. Um, is, is that perhaps a reason why? Because you are getting a bit fatigued now. I, I think it's partly that I'm doing more of a range of stuff to try to keep myself busy. Yeah, I think it's more the fact that because I was the Marvel go-to, um, uh, and you're, I you're, was, you're, you're also doing that. You did the Road to Bond as well. It, it's two things. It, it's two two more things, and I've got to be careful how I say them because I'm I'm not going to expose any prejudice because I don't have any. But I'm going to say. That because I am, one of my go-tos is Marvel, and I'm sorry, Marvel has been shit for over a year now, with a couple of exceptions. That then leaves me writing reviews for a site on things full of demographics. For a site, I am now becoming increasingly less representative of the sensibility of. Because, for example, it was Pride Week recently. Well... Don't read into this. I have any issues with that or my site putting a load of stuff in in about pride. I'm proud of them. No pun intended for doing it. But I'm hardly going to fucking contribute, am I? I've got nothing to say about pride. Um, You know, and, you know, you'll get like queer themed weeks and stuff like that. No issue with any of that. But like, I've got nothing to say about many of the things the site has an interest in now. Let's put it that way. And so when I'm coming out with my middle-aged white man, isn't this fucking, you know, 16-year-old Muslim girl show shite, I don't think it's a good look for the site, which is why I handed it back. And the person who reviewed it liked it. I mean, I've not seen it, but it does look piss poor. It is, it's crap. But part yeah. of the problem is... I mean, this... I, mean I, I, can't, I can't really say more than that because I've still watched it, so I can't... Yeah, but the really... biggest problem is there's too much of it. There's just too much yeah. Marvel at the moment. If, it, it, if it, everyone's it, super, it, it, no one is. It's getting all content in it, so yeah, I'm just yeah, getting like, it, oh, if, I'll just get it out. If everyone's super, no one is, right? There's just too much of it by an absolute fucking mile. It has no... Um, and I just think it's all trying too hard. I, I love that it's full of like representation and stuff, but there are places where I definitely I, think it's I like, trying to I, I like you took like you know spent two bullets to like you know to put some steam on two bad guys, but you could have just shot them both. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry, so, sorry. So, well, <laughs> it might be that she saw their outfits and thought they were a bit creased, and she's heard yeah. that like if you hang your shirts in the bathroom when you're having a shower, it takes all the creases out. She thought a bit of steam will sort that. 
The boats never looked very good either. Uh, not inside, I mean outside. From outside, mm. it looks a very obvious model. The set's fine. And counting. Need a guy, need a guy at a, like a desk sort of counting down as a microphone. 60 minutes in counting. Yeah, so I think I'll just end up writing about fucking Masters of Cinema and stuff like that. When it, when I was going to the cinema really, really regularly, I'm going semi-regularly again now. But I seem to be seeing so much that I was I, I was I had a, a good variety of different content to give them. But because Marvel is ruling the fucking world at the moment, I seem to be doing nothing. I seem to be doing a mixture of 1920s films and fucking Marvel. So this is why I think it's Marvel fatigue more than anything. Oh, yeah. is, you know, I think it's just why because you are the go-to guy and because it is. Yeah, yeah I was sort of having this. Yeah. yeah, having this sort of discussion about this sort of Bond as well. If they kind of put films out in terms, of, you know, how often how Marvel did, I think we would probably have like Bond fatigue or something now. But yeah, it's I wonder if much. it's just because, you know, maybe to take a step back from Marvel and say, oh, I'd like to do something else, or I'd like to solely focus on classic movies, or, you know, um, you could probably be the guy who reaches out to um, the Studio Canal and says, oh, yes, every, every new release gift to me, please. To be honest, um, um, yeah, this happens with Masters of Cinema. The, 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 whoever does the publicity for them sends me the discs without us requesting them now. Yeah, well, I used to get that. Um, I can't um, it was mainly because well, I used to do further from what I used to do, like a lot of the anime. Well, oh, when, what, was the, what was the name? Studio Ghibli. Remember. No, the, oh, Fetch, Fetch PR, that was it. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, they were, for, 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 um, for very often a lot of it was for Fetch, uh, for Fetch. Um, and yeah, every time it would sort of come out, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that's mine. So I didn't, but it, you know, it landed on my doormat. I said, I didn't request this. And they said, oh, no, it's just you next week, it's fine. Um, well, I think it's because they, yeah, they, 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 Wendy said it's because they like your stuff. I said, no, it ain't. It's, well, exactly. I'm, it's because I'm kind to their stuff, generally. Um, <laughs> I said, no, they've had rave it's, reviews it's from me. for them as well, and it just shows um, they, do, you know, they do appreciate it as well. They do and, a great you know, job. You're generally. kind of on the mailing list, aren't you? So. Yeah, those they, they and Arrow do the best job with older films and stuff. But, yeah, um, Arrow, great. Uh, yeah, Arrow, um, anything like that. I, I'm Part just, yeah, I, I think it is Marvel fatigue. And, and the, the white guy guilt in me wishes that, like, phases one to three had been super, super diverse and the standard we got, and now it was shit with, like, middle-aged white men, and I'd feel less guilty <laughs> about it. Because well, yeah, it's, it's it just seems to it just seems to coincide with an era where they've suddenly gone racially, age-wise, and sexually diverse. Uh, put people in of different sexualities for the first time. I'm suddenly finding it shit, and I just think that's such an unfortunate coincidence. Yeah. I, so yes, Dave, I've got white guilt. Careful folks. to tie yourself with that brush there, Dave. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just one of those things, isn't it? I think you can you can go back to yeah, you know, it's anything. Culture moves on. They've been going for like what like ten years. Mm. Um, obviously not Marvel, movement, but like the the films have been going since like what two thousand. But but yeah, for, for many many years now. Um, and obviously you know even in these films which are very forward thinking, you can sort of go back and say oh actually that's not that diverse. You know the cast is mainly made up of mm. white people. Um, but I think that's why things like Black Panther and everything were so, you know so much of a landmark. Which I was kind to. It's like it's one of those films where, and especially something like um, 
everything ever all at once which is not a superhero film but it kind of is but it kind of isn't um yeah, it's a kind of first you know sort of like non-white cast or very minimal white cast um jamie lee is perhaps one of the only white faces in it yeah. um and you know it's, it's, why, it's why you know Black Panther was such a landmark because you know it's mainly all sort of you know african-american cast or you know very very diverse cast for sure um you got some like nope upcoming as well which again is you know hugely diverse um, many people with different backgrounds, sexualities, all kinds going on. Yeah. Um, but you can look at like any sort of film series, especially Marvel as well, and I think, think you may. Have, I think you may have hit on it. I, th- I it just was, think. It, it wasn't I think, you, I think you've hit it's, on it. It's I just think. Fault, just yeah, the phase is terrible, and I feel slightly guilty because it's full of a load of diversity that it looks like I'm now. I, I'm. I'm second guessing myself. Is that part of the problem? And I don't think it is. I think it's just crap. But aren't, um, aren't they sort of like talking about doing like a second, second Eternals film? Uh, yeah, I mean, why? Okay. The first one was dreadful. If it makes so much at the box office, then that automatically means there's going to be a sequel or, you know, it, just, it sets off a trigger, doesn't it, probably? I, um, I mean, it's one of those films that maybe, maybe it did quite a lot, but received a critical drubbing. That's just one of these things, isn't it? It's, like, it's, it's quality over... There's too, but it's, it's too much of it. I mean, there have been something like six television series, maybe seven, I can't remember if Miss Marvel's included in the count now, and I can't be bothered yeah, to recount. And there's been four or five films it's since January of last year, February of last year. So in 18 months, you have had something like 11 or 12 new Marvel products, vastly more hours than we ever would have got when it was two or three films a year. And it's been the quality control has gone to absolute shit. And I've liked parts of it. I didn't mind the Doctor Strange film. In fact, I quite liked it. I enjoyed Hawkeye well enough. I enjoyed like Falcon and Winter Soldier where well enough. I thought Wanda like was reasonably experimental, but like most of it has been mediocre to terrible. And the Eternals, I was, I felt, you know, I just thought that's what you get that's where I think the only way diversity has gone wrong because I think they were def- they were desperate for more females more people of colour and somebody with some art house credentials who wasn't too expensive so they hired Chloe Zhao well watch the work first the, the principle is laudable that if you go on hiring what you've always hired all your directors are going to look like David Fincher. You know what I mean? Or something <laughs> look like them. I get that. But look at the work and see if they're a fit. And Chloe Zhao is the worst possible fit for Marvel. You know, the uh, who would be a worse fit for Marvel? Fucking Derek Jarman? I don't know. I can, <laughs> I can barely think. Yeah, Mike Lee, maybe. You know? I can't think of many directors who would be a worse fit. Uh, Mikey would be very unexpected. What would be what would be the other one? Oh, what's the guy who did Dog Dogville and that? Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean. Uh, but there aren't many yeah. who would be worse. She was totally the wrong fit. Lars von Trier. That's where that's, I. That's yeah. the only way in which I think they're worrying so much about their targets. They're not looking at the who. You can absolutely mandate quotas think, if you, you want. Think because of and you got yeah, boxing exercise as well. That they're so eager to. They wore a lot of criticism earlier for it always being John Favreau, Kenneth Branagh, uh, you know the Russos, etc. And I, I, I'm totally happy to accept all of those criticisms because you don't adjust it until you actually challenge it and put 
a greater variety of different types in there. But that still doesn't overcome the fact that if you put a pretentious art film director in there, they'll produce the superhero equivalent of a pretentious art film. You know. Yeah. And that was the end of Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. Featuring extra white guilt. Featuring extra white man. Well, that, that was I've really fucking opened film, myself I mean, up. I've really it. opened myself up here, haven't I, with all this shit? Oh, right? Michelle, Michelle Lowe. Yeah, yeah, Michelle Yeoh, definitely. And then the the guy who helps Bond jump out of the plane. Um. Yes. And the, yeah, quite, maybe some of the people at the um, at the cocktail party. But what are you talking about? People of colour. Well, you've got Colin Salmon. Yeah, Colin yeah, Salmon, yeah, Michelle Yeoh. Oh, I didn't hear that bit. Yeah, yeah. you'll yeah, never hear any complaints about greater diversity from me. What will always piss me off is if you pick the wrong person in pursuit of that. Now, then experiments can always go wrong, but Chloe Zhao is one hundred percent the wrong person to do a Marvel film. It's, just, it's like it's that old kind of affirmative action again, isn't it? Or, 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 yeah, but I'm not even arguing against affirmative action. It's no, just, I mean just I'm not. I'm, I'm ma- all make it, make it. If you're gonna do it, make it the right affirmative action. And it's probably not called that these days. Right. That's, that's probably quite an outdated. At least make sure they've got appropriate CVs. That's basically that's what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah, that's really yeah, want to do the job. Yeah, exactly. Ooh. Exactly. You know. But there we are. So, uh, yeah, so how many more Bond films have we got to... We uh, have got left to do... Uh, do actually, Becca's got the list, but I know it's Thunderball. I have my list. Hold on. I do have the list somewhere. Please bear with me. I think it's only three. I think there's only three left. Let me just scroll all the way down to the bottom. So, I, I think off the top of my head, I think it must be Thunderball then. Thunderbussy and... No Time to Die, and maybe the 1960s Casino Royale. Yeah, and a possible redo of Moonraker. Because that's where Chris's comedy yeah. gold foghorn leghorn casting session disappeared. <laughs> I, I think I you guys cut, cut out just, um, briefly not um, not long ago, but it was only for like a minute. Because I don't know, if, don't know if you guys got the. No, don't worry, it'll be fine. I don't. I think we've got an editable thing here. Yeah, but um, anyway. Yeah, so as usual, we've gone wildly off topic, but we talked about the first half of the film. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about the film sequentially. Well, I'm going to go with one last hot take. We are talking over KD Lang Surrender here, which is common common opinion should have been the song at the lead, at the start of the film. Yeah, no, and it's, it's like main no, sort of theme no, here. No, it the should film, isn't not. It? Tomorrow Never Dies. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I have that uh, opinion that um, no, I, it's it's. Cheryl Crow was the wrong singer, but it was the right song. It's um, the problem is though, I, I get I get why people say that, but because it's the it's it's the riff that's used commonly throughout the film, but then that's all that's all the song is. It's that riff. Yeah, it wouldn't fit with a title sequence. I'm absolutely convinced. Tomorrow Never Dies was the right type of song. I just think Cheryl Crow was the wrong type of singer. Mm. Um, but there you go. Larry Digital Images. Could could have been pop. Tomorrow Never Lies was their version <laughs> before the mystery. It was. That, made, that told you Bond films and titles are totally interchangeable at the moment. Tomorrow like... Never, Tomorrow Never, I don't know, again? Yeah, all right. Tomorrow Never, again, yeah. <laughs> I, I know. They should have got a radio head to do one. Bloody hell. 
Do you know what? If you'd said that to me in the 90s, I'd have gone, yeah, that would be really like classy and cool and maybe a little experimental. Their version of Spectre, I think if anyone who prefers it just prefers the idea of Radiohead doing a song because it wasn't actually I, any I, better than I, what we got. I think, I think anyone who enjoys Radiohead now just enjoys the idea of Radiohead. I, 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 I generally... They were special. They were I special once upon a time. I that, like... I mean, I know there's people out there and they're like, oh, I love Radiohead. I love what they do now. And blah, blah, blah. I think they're just kidding themselves. I think they're, A, kidding themselves. Yeah, <laughs> kidding, um, kidding themselves. <laughs> I, for yeah, me, I, 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 I only... Yeah. Re- they, they released Kid A and Amnesiac within a year of each other in the 2000s. And that, that's when they started going down this slightly tuneless experimental route. When they released those, I must admit, with some reservations, I liked them and I found them interesting and I was happy that they experimented. But then they came back after that and did one more album which sounded a bit more like their older stuff and then they disappeared back into this noodly fucking navel-gazing and and none of it's for me. I can't say none of it's any good. I'd say none of it's for me. Yeah, they, I mean, they, they seem to be kind of like embarrassed about like what they used to do as well. That that that's the issue. Not playing creep live is taking the piss, isn't it? It's just like yeah, and that and that I think that's the thing that rubs me the wrong way. It's just like you you think you you you're, you're better than like what the audience actually likes. You know, it's like oh, you know, I'm not going to do this popular, you know, stuff with like with like you know melodies and hooks. You know, thing, you know, the things that people like and listen to music for. Like, 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 so, like songs. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, we, we, we're going to give you this artistic bullshit, you know, like that, that, that's very sort of self-important. And like, you know, um, and, you know, just you know, the, the stuff that only hipsters like. But, you know, but if they think they're really honest with themselves, they actually don't. They just like the idea of listening to it. You know, it's the image. Oh, I listen to, I listen to Radiohead. I'm so edgy. I'm so cool. It's like. Yeah, we 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 just a fad now because it's like who listens to Radiohead? It's like fucking people in the forties. Yeah, I was gonna say what <laughs> what, what you're <laughs> saying is I think they're still cool. I'm not sure. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. I told you it was a bit like when my dad in 1990, because like Phil Collins was winning Best Male at the Brits, he thought he was like the coolest thing in the world to kids, <laughs> and I'm like no 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 <laughs> no. Like oh, a Phil Collins, he's didn't yeah. say there was. <laughs> <laughs> against all odds he cool. had a great career yeah anyway that's enough quippy puns for tonight that was our yeah. bond commentary sort of with extra white guilt and <laughs> we move on to something that's more in my wheelhouse <laughs> you know old and all white folks <laughs> <laughs> what with dwarfs and dwarfs. no 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 that's not what we're doing next oh yes of course yeah, yeah. Oh, we're Italians isn't it well that yeah, we'll let Becca see us out in a minute. Social media, you can find me at the Pasty Kid 1976. Yeah, you can find all the odd episodes at uh, at uh and it's all on Podbean, so you can find all the odd episodes there. Wherever you like to listen to us, uh, please don't forget to rate, review, like, and share us on your podcatcher of choice, uh, whichever platform you're listening to us on. Um, why not next time you're on social media, stick a link on your Facebook or your Twitter and say, hey really enjoying listening to the experts to talk please share it with do your friends do start fans. with the word hey i like that hey 
But say it with lots of E's in it, so it's like Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, I was about to say it. <laughs> what you want to say is, hey, I'm really enjoying Duke Spectre's talk. <laughs> Can't wait for Duke Spectre to talk the next Richard generation. King. Yeah. <laughs> but but they aren't the kings of podcast. I prefer now playing. On Twitter, at the Spectre's talk. On YouTube, do you expect us to talk? Um, obviously, we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Squishead on Podbean, Podbay. Indeed, whichever platform you find us on. And if you want to, you can always email us at gmail.com. I have a question before we go. Hmm. Uh, so, um, has anyone actually seen The Grey Man yet? No, I'm just, no, I'm, li- I'm, no, I'm literally, I'm literally going to watch it tomorrow night. If we, if okay. we, if we hadn't been available tonight, I was going to watch it now. Oh, okay. Um, not that there's any hurry because it's on Netflix and it, it it landed yesterday, so it's on Netflix and it it it's not Apparently going it's anywhere. Not very good. Um, I've heard quite the opposite, but I um, haven't seen I haven't seen any actual critical takes, and I haven't seen like the Rotten Tomatoes score or anything. I I've I've seen film twice. No, yeah, I'm not sure what the Rotten Tom score is, but I'll I think have a look. I'll tell you now. Yeah, I I think um, there's like a film by algorithm, and I was like, oh. I think the response has been mixed. I can understand. I think I understand it. I think it's very, it's very much. It doesn't sound um, anything super original, does it? No, no, it I, doesn't. It, it's but it looks very great, though. Yeah, I think it's cast production of all great. Oh, it uh, has had uh, bad reviews. It's on forty-nine percent, though the audience score is ninety. But um, oh. I mean, it, I, I would say it's fine. The problem is, it, it, it it's basically a big budget Netflix film. Ultimately, did you ever see uh, the Chris Hemsworth one, Extraction? Yeah. No. Right. Do you remember me describing that as I could see the the algorithm working? Um. Yes. Yeah. Do Did you understand what I mean by that statement? Yeah. So is the Grey Man the same thing? To uh, a varying quality. Maybe. I'd say the things that you you can see the quality. It's just a, it's just a bit like. I, I think it's like it, it's, it's probably similar to like um, uh, this film we just watched um, uh, tomorrow. No doubt, it, 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 it's all just very like the action's very good, but the, it it doesn't land and it, cause it, mo- it it's constantly moving forward that you yeah. never really get a chance to like. I'm scrolling down now and I'm seeing. But it's, per- bit- it, it's it's perfectly watchable. It's it, 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 it it's perfectly fine. Like past two hours of your time it's not well like i'm seeing awful. a mixture here of, of rotten and fresh and i'm not really reading any of them i've seen a few names i know like Casey and the cast Smith are good the cast yeah but the cast it, it all says I'm, I'm seeing even on the positive ones i'm seeing a few forgettables and blands mm-hmm. and stuff like that okay disposable yeah all right okay oh, yeah i'm watching that tomorrow so i might report back at some point <laughs> as always bad reviews yeah okay i'm watching that so we've done where we are uh we're moving on to a series featuring the triumphant return of mr charlie brigden charlie is um well um we talked about set the tape earlier um i do another charlie writes for them now and he picks up a lot of the historic releases and i've noticed he has a penchant for picking up westerns as well and he's fairly knowledgeable on them probably the root in being that um a lot of the things he likes in modern pop culture have a bit of western about them but also um a lot of the scores he would enjoy and it's one of those things he can explain his attachment to but for that reason, he's going to be joining us for the next two seasons. Uh, the next season being Leone Westerns, although next week we might be telling you about some more additions to that. Which means, Becca? Yes, do expect to talk. We'll be finally doing all the Westerns. Starting with 
a fistful of dollars. 